Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Hello, folks. Thanks once again for coming to Bart's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And tonight, wow, what an explosive show, of course, with explosive things happening. Uh, we are going to talk about, of course, uh, the new developments, developments with Susan Rice and the admittance of unmasking uh, Trump's inner circle. Of course, we're also going to discuss tonight the Gorsuch confirmation. Uh, while it's probably going to be here, it's looking like it's going to be a, you know, they're going to take the nuclear option, uh, but we'll have to, uh, we'll explore that more uh, as well. And also we will discuss tonight the Democrats' delirium. And that's all the different things that they've got going on uh, in order to try to disavow anything that Trump is trying to do. And even uh, as some are saying, you know, that they're already trying to do things to get uh, him impeached. Uh, so we'll uh, have that discussion tonight, uh, but we'll also uh, take calls, and uh, we'll be happy here first as we do have Dr. Tolbert on the line to discuss tonight. We do got audio clips. We'll be playing tonight as well some articles. But first, let's hear from our friend, uh, Dr. Tolbert, which you've heard uh, many times on the show. Welcome uh, to the show, Doctor. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. And I think it's interesting topics that you have uh, going on tonight based on what the news media is calling a fraudulent comment on Rice. And yet there are other news yeah. medias and papers that are picking it up and saying it's positive. So there's a lot of fraudulent writings going on today. Yeah, certainly. I tell you what, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll discuss and hopefully get to the bottom of some of that in our discussion tonight on there. And of course, yeah. in, in the audio we're going to play in a little bit uh, is, of course, we can't believe a, a word that came, comes out of Susan Rice's mouth. Uh, I mean, look back uh, with uh, Benghazi and how she was a part in the lives of that, and also her uh, support of Bergdahl, and also, of course, uh, just about, I believe two weeks ago. Uh, she's saying she was surprised. She didn't know anything about uh, the unmasking. And then, you know, within the uh, past couple of days, she admitted that she does. Right. And then it goes back into the Clintons and how they sold 25% of the uranium out of the uh, western states to Russia. And Russia now owns the highest majority of the uranium rights in America. And then you can get into Sawyer's, George Sawyer's, and how he is funding the Republicans and the Democrats in order to destroy the American population and immigration. And then you can get into Obamacare and how it violates the Tenth Amendment and that 
They illegally wrote a document by supplementing a veteran's bill, uh, putting the medical uh, insurance under the U.S. government without rewriting the Constitution as what they did with the post office. So there are a lot of things that are not being discussed by the news media. For example, the 17 uh, articles of the Constitution that the federal government has in health care is not one. So it is not a bill that should can be uh, rewritten because it's not legally constitutionally correct. Well, and speaking of uh, the health care, uh, I believe it just, you know, I just heard, was it last night or a couple nights ago, that, you know, when basically the federal government took receivership of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, uh, through my understanding, a lot of the profits that would have gotten them back into <laughs> gotten the black were actually used uh, towards Obamacare. And that bears more, you know, investigating on our part, uh, you know, just something I heard uh, that they could be looking into. If, if you heard, well, we're not going to go a lot on that because that's not our topic tonight. We do have other folks in the line. If you'd like to get in, push the one on your number dial, and I'll get you into the show. Uh, but let's go ahead and, uh, as I said, I mean, that bears more investigation on that, but, you know, we'll, that'll be it for a topic for another night. Yeah, and just just briefly going over it, and we've discussed it on other shows, is that the Obamacare illegality, the movement of funds, the treason and fraudulent act committed by Obama and the uh, Clintons, uh, what Rice has done, uh, the direction of the federal government, and then we can even get into President Trump being a Freemason and how his association with uh, uh, Ireland, uh, we can get into a lot of subjects that I don't think your audience really has tied together. And the difference between the way I look at things is that I'll take six or seven subjects and find out how they tie into one subject. And so as you go on to your show, we'll, we'll kind of tie those together. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, we've got plenty of time. It's a three-hour show, and we also have – you know, our extended period, which I think would be a good time for us to discuss that. Uh, but we do have, uh, it looks like Mike on the line. Uh, and of course, as you know, uh, Dr. Colbert, we do uh, keep the mics open, you know, to be part of our roundtable discussion. I thought I'd seen Cindy Child want to chime in. Just push the one back on your number dial, Cindy, if you'd like to get in. But let's go ahead and welcome Mike. Thank you very much, Mike, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, Robert. How about yourself, brother? Well, I tell you what, it's been, uh, you know, pure naivete on my part. I thought after the election, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought after the election, you know, all this would be, all this would be gone. But I, I tell you what, this has just been, it's been worse since Trump has gotten elected. I mean, this is just unbelievable, uh, the things that are, that are happening and, and coming out. Well, I, I, I anticipated it. Uh, on some level, just based on uh, the immediate reaction after the election. And I think the next eight years we're going to be hearing this. I think that this is going to be an eight-year um, slant, an eight-year matrix, basically, erected to derail Trump and the Trump administration and the movement behind Trump. So on some level, I've, I actually came to peace with it. I, 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 in in this sense, in that I, I now factor it in as just being 
background static that I just kind of squelch out. Does that make sense? Yeah, my, I, mean, I, yeah, you I get that. You're kind of accepting it, but <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I really, I, I, I pick my fights with it, and so um, I see. I see a lot of this is actually the it, it, it's actually a good sign for me because I think the reaction speaks to real change, and I do think the the swamp is being drained. I think a lot of it's going on behind the scenes. I think a lot of it's going on in the intelligence agencies. I think a lot of it's going oh yeah, on that's in, definitely needs to be drained. And so I think it's I, I think a lot of it's going on, and I think what we see. It, uh, periodically is uh, the eruptions above the surface. But when I mean squelch out the static, that means I just tune out as much as I can to fake news and see it for what it is, which is baby, basically propaganda, Which and it reminds me of Goebbels uh, during the Nazi era. I'm not calling them Nazis, but what I am saying is that it is in scope and in depth and in creativity – and it it reminds me of Nazi propaganda among the mainstream fake news media. And I think it's basically backed by globalists who are leftist globalists. I think that, uh, you know, this is a very powerful group and they have their one of their main uh, foundations for their regime is the mainstream fake news media. And I believe they're on the run and I think they've thrown everything they can at Mr. Trump and Mr. Pence and the entire administration. And they I think they've gone for the kill shot uh, figuratively. And I think Mr. Trump is standing and he is fighting back. And I think game is on. And I think that we might be seeing the neutering of the mainstream media. That's among the other things I, I kind of mean by when I say squelch out, I still get upset. I'll admit that. I also admit that I'm very, very concerned about the um, revelations coming out about Susan Rice. And, you know, these are allegations at this point. Um, so I, I'm kind of reserving my judgment until there's more facts that are actually known. But if the facts is, seem to indicate, I think we have a major, major crisis. And I suspect, and I don't know, but I suspect that if they were to check to see which uh, other names over the course of eight years, uh, at least since 2011, I think there was a change in how they used this, this particular intelligence gathering mechanism in 2011. But maybe going back eight years, and I'll, I'll stop with this, I think you might find that there, there's going to be other names that they unmask for various purposes. And I, I'm very curious as to what other names they unmasked that have nothing to do with Trump. Actually, my guess is they might be political enemies or opponents, or people they needed to crush and manipulate. Um, that's my thought. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that, what? you know, the Obama administration, and, and real quick, Dr. Tolbert, and then I'll, I'll bring you back in and then I'll bring in Cindy. As my thought on that is, you know, with the Obama administration, you said they, they changed the way a lot of the uh, the organizations within the government, you know, such as the FBI, uh, are supposed to work, and and they they changed that, you know, towards their ends. And I think that was also done uh, for Obama with the EPA. I think even NASA was, you know, taken away from, you know, what's its true purpose is, 
I mean, I mean, Obama switched it from, you know, space exploration pretty much to, you know, proving global warming. And there's even at one point where he was instructing NASA that part of their job was uh, better relationships between, you know, Muslims and Islam and, and the rest of us. I mean, that's, that's outrageous. <laughs> I'm like, this is NASA. They have nothing to do with uh, with either one of those things, in my opinion. But yet he was using, uh, you know, that government body uh, in order uh, for that. That's what I think. That uh, yeah, they definitely used you know, a lot of the, you know, organizations within the government, and, it, and as you pointed out, uh, Mike, within the intelligence community, to become, you know, what, well, I'm sure you guys are hearing the the terms deep state. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, and I think that's, you know, part of the the globalist uh, agenda, and I think that's something they have to have done in order for that uh, that globalist agenda to succeed. Uh, but let's go ahead and go over uh, to you, Dr. Colbert. I know you want to comment on that, and then we'll bring in Susan. And I've got an audio clip that I'm sure some of you guys heard some of these uh, before rather than the past or recently about some of the lies from Susan Rice. And we do, we got some articles. We have one from the National Review I want to go through. Uh, but, of course, we'll have plenty of time uh, for commentary. We'll try to squeeze it all in this uh, the next 45 minutes uh, before we move on to uh, our topic of, of course, the, the Gorsuch uh, confirmation and, and that part of the discussion. But let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Colbert. Yeah, I just want to tie a little bit of what Mike said together for everybody, what the Illuminati's, the Jesuits, the Freemasons, and how the Bush family were the family that supported the financial backing of Hitler and the arms and equipment that was used during the Second World War, and then how the Bush family was also the money behind the Obama and how he got into office and why he did not get impeached was set up intentionally because they were going to use the racial issue and bringing the Democrats and Republicans together under one political party, which gives you the global under the United Nations and also NATO. So when people look at this, they have to take it past what you see on the surface. Seven generations removed was Obama related to the Bush family, and how that the presidents of the United States all get interrelated to that through a king in England, and how the money is under the table being done to put people in positions. And now you have a guy in office who is the president who has a agenda. We, I, in fact, as a no-party candidate, ran for the U.S. Senate and sent my resume to, to Donald Trump. And we write articles on the Veterans Administration we write articles on Obamacare, on, on uh, education, and what we're finding from our articles that we have written, that a lot of the things that we're presenting, and Trump follows us on all of our networks, that we're finding that a lot of this stuff is heading in the right direction, but you still have to question, is the relationship of the Freemasons, which Trump agrees that he is, and the fact that Ireland is the home base for the Freemasons that did not withdraw and England did withdraw from the European Union, is there going to be a future problem with that? So that's kind of, you know, something well, that's... And, 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 I, well, I'll tell you what, Dr. Colbert, I've got a guy who uh, was a, a professor, uh, well, he, he is a professor at Xavier University who was uh, a professor of mine, who, I mean, he is the foremost uh, that I know, at least in the region, expert on Irish government, Irish politics, and, and actually 
Uh, he was going to uh, call, and I, I have to get back with him. I feel terrible for not getting back with him uh, on an email because uh, he offered to come on and talk about Brexit, uh, come on the show and talk, you know, talk about Brexit. So that might be, uh, you know, maybe part of our a conversation we can have when I email him back, you know, on the book. I, I think he, uh, he edited it or he had some part uh, of contribution there, uh, you know, with the book. And I'll have to go back and, and revisit the email that he sent me. But, you know, perhaps I could be, you know, in one of our segments, something that we'll we'll cover, bring him on. You two can have the discussion. But at this point, let's go ahead. And, of course, we'll keep uh, people's mics on. And I do want to get to – uh, and then we'll get to the audio. And then, of course, the main question for this segment is, of course, we'll we'll bring in uh, the thought of Comey. I mean, we all know what, what Comey's been up to, you know, when it came to this past election, especially surrounding the emails uh, when it came. Two things. One is do we think that, and we're going to answer that later, uh, you know, in this segment, is do we think, and I'm going to ask everyone here on the panel here, uh, do, you know, will Comey, you know, put in, do an investigation uh, on the subject, on maybe even namely Susan Rice, uh, to see exactly what was done, if there's anything done illegally. And two, you know, that's that's the first part. And two is, since we're bringing up Comey, do we think that, you know, is there going to be a time when we think that Trump needs to just get rid of Comey as a director of the FBI? Uh, but first, before we get to these topics, uh, let's go ahead and bring in Cindy. Thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm in my car, so I'll just make a couple of quick comments, and then I'll go back to listening. Um, You remember a guy named, um, oh, my gosh, David Cholesterol, remember from back in the Sammy days? Well, yes, I do. You remember David Cholesterol? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't. I haven't been on any. I haven't been on his. I, he's off of one of my face, my political page, and then on my my personal page, he's still on there. But I haven't looked at his page in like forever. You know, years probably. So anyway, I for some reason I just went over there yesterday. I guess it was, and his screensaver. You know, his big. Um, picture up at the top is a list of things that Trump promised and what he has so far waffled on. And as I was reading it, I was saying to myself, you know, David, I don't want to give you (coughs) any credit at all because I think you're a jerk, but (laughs) he was right. He is. And and what is (laughs) – and what I (laughs) – but what he's right, he's, he's right a, he's about. He's a self-absorbed pump, as you know what. But go ahead. Exactly. He lives somewhere near me, and so he ought to be involved in our REC. But he will not come and get himself. All he wants to do is bloviate on his Facebook pages, and that's all he's got in him. So anyway, um, but I had to give him credit that what he wrote is the truth. You know, remember he was a never Trumper. And um, mm-hmm. he still hates still hates Trump, and I expected to see you know hate hate you know when I went to the page, but as I was reading, I I I had to admit that the facts that he was coming up with were right, and it's a little bit scary because I thought that Trump would come in and just start cleaning house, and he has not done so. In fact, he has allowed the Democrats and the Rhinos 
in Congress and elsewhere. He has allowed them to um, <clears throat> dictate the talking points. In his recent comments about the, uh, about the Freedom Caucus, where he backpedaled some on, but well, there's, there's a, you have to, I'll go on there and I'll get the list for you. But anyway, first of all, you know, just today I heard an announcement somewhere on the radio that I think it was um, Sean had somebody on there, and they were saying that now um, uh, immigration is talking about, well, we'll have a wall, but it's not going to go all the way across. And so it's just like everything is backpedaling. It's going backwards from what the original promises were. And and then you look at how he's being, like, intimidated by, or at least it appears that he's being intimidated, supposed to be this big, tough business guy that's going to work, work all these deals and, and um, clean the swamp, and yet he's intimidated by all these Democrat attacks on him and, you know, all the Russian stuff and, the you know, the – anyway, it just appears to me that what Obama was capable of doing at the end of his – or, I don't know, the last four years of his administration was just embedding the, embedding the deep state so badly that Trump is going to have to – I know you were just talking about Comey. I said a long time ago that Comey needed to go, that all those guys oh, – yeah. Um, he needs to clean house and get rid of all those Democrat appointments. He cannot trust any of them, and he cannot be worried about what someone's going to think because he fired somebody. Those jerks in the well, Democrat and that's a big part of it. And, and we'll have to get Mike's take on that a little bit. But 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 yeah, I mean, they, I think that yeah, I th- I think that's one of the reasons why he won't get rid of Comey. I think he's concerned on what's going to be said about that. Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, they set up shop, you know, and and. They dictate everything, and 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 and, and if you don't have uh, the toughness to fight up against them, you know what have they done? What have they said to Trump? What have they, um, what have they threatened him with? I don't know. And I mean, to get your phone tapped, wasn't he? I mean, wasn't he sweeping his offices every single day? Didn't he sweep the to- towers every single day? If he didn't, he's not. He's He's naive because you have to expect that kind of behavior. And if he hasn't dealt, if he hasn't figured out that that's happening, and if he hasn't figured out how to deal with it, we're not going to get anywhere. We may even go backwards from from where we once were because now nobody's going to even trust the Republican Party. So I mean, we're looking at we're looking at all the those good conservatives we put in there real conservatives, you know, um, and they can't do anything. Their hands are totally tied because of the rhinos and the Democrats. Now, how, what's going to happen is we got to find out who's obstructing Trump's agenda, and in 18, we need to get rid of them. I mean, you, I don't know if, um, I don't know if um, McConnell is up for reelection. 18. I don't think so because I think he just got reelected a little while ago. But anyway, I don't know who's up, but yeah, we need to get him he out of there. I know, I know, I know Ryan is. You know, Paul Ryan is. Yeah, um, remember he was. Uh, remember McConnell. McConnell. Yeah, it was not that long ago. Remember McConnell was uh, went up against Matt Bevin. Uh, 
for the primary. Remember, Bevan went up against yep. him in the primary, and now Bevan and yep. uh, now, of course, we know, but you know, Bevan didn't uh, win the primary, but now he's the governor of Kentucky, which. I, I have been talking to his uh, Bevin's pre, uh, press secretary, and they, they have promised they haven't forgotten about us, and that they are working on a schedule to get uh, get uh, Governor Bevin on the show. Uh, so I have well, talked to, to his name, Roy. So we'll to tell you the truth. I, I wish he would. Him. I wish he would just uh, not run for another term as governor and, and run for senator again. I think I think he'd be uh, much better. He'd much more important for us to us. As a senator, we got to get rid of people like McConnell, or nothing is ever going to, nothing's going to be solved. They're going to obstruct everything that anybody's tried to do. I mean, why in the heck is Paul Ryan's health care bill allowed to come forward? They had to know. They had oh, well, that, to that know. Well, that was ridiculous. And we were, we were, I thought about talking work. about that. So. And why, and we why is about that Trump last week sitting a little there bit. backing it? And why was Trump sitting there backing it, saying, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta vote for this. You know, you gotta tell your, you gotta tell your congressman to vote for this because um, if you don't, we're gonna have uh, Obamacare still. That's bunk. They need to put a, they need to give a good. There are plenty of, and they keep saying, even Sean has been saying lately, well, they don't have anything to, uh, to, to present that's." That's a good health care. Yes, they do. You've got you've got um, um, you got Rand Paul's um, health care bill, and you've got several congressmen who have great. And then you've got out out um, people outside the Beltway pre- presenting plans that'll work. So what? And and why isn't Trump leading on this? All you see him doing right now is having little meetings, little business meetings with people, uh, you know, to try to get business back there. You know what? Right now that's not the most important thing. Right now we got to get we got to get that health care bill completely re- repealed. You cannot be talking about fixing it up. It's too impossible to fix it up. You got to get rid of it and start with a clean slate. And until they do that, they're not going to be successful, and I think they know that. And that's that's the reason the rhinos keep putting up stuff like Paul Ryan, uh, Ryan yeah Paul Ryan's crap. So anyway, I, that's my two cents. I'm really disappointed that Trump has not taken the lead on this and and been more forceful, more aggressive. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed. I really am. Robert and uh, Robert Charles, can well, I make a comment? To- well, real quick, okay, I want to get, and, and, and real quick, let me go ahead and get Mike's take because uh, you know he he worked uh, here in Ohio uh, on the Trump campaign, and so I'd like to get his take, and then we'll, and then we will bring it over to uh, to Dr. Tolbert, and then I you know I still still have those uh, you know with our with our topics for the segment. We'll, I want to get to the the audio and the articles and, and get back to that. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Mike. I understand people's frustration. Uh, I at times have had frustration as well. I I I completely understand it. I, my take is this though. First of all, you are going to be discussing the Gorsuch nomination soon, right? And yeah, we're going to do I that at the top that, of the hour. And I see that as a promise fulfilled, and that's a huge promise fulfilled. And to be able to exert influence on the Senate to go with the nuclear option, which I'm sure they're involved with the Trump campaign 
I mean, the Trump administration. I think that is a huge, huge thing that they did there. Now, for the rest of it, I I wanted to go back and talk about Comey, and I wanted to talk about what I think is really going on, although I don't know. I'm looking at this from a historical perspective. I am trying to think what other time in history, whether it's American or other, that we're in right now. I think we're in a historical crisis. I think we have a – I think we have, among other things, I think we have a civil war going on in the uh, intelligence community. I think we have a civil war going on in the law enforcement community on the national level. I think we what we have are we have patriots who believe in the nation state of the United States and its culture and its future as a nation nation state, and then we have others, uh, and basically also based on conservative or at least you know free market principles, and then I think there's another group that's embedded and obviously they've become stronger in the last eight years who are globalists, who are uh, not nationalists, they're internationalists. I think they're leftists. Um, I think in many ways they're fascists. I think it's a fascist leftist uh, movement. And uh, what I think is going on is that there are real patriots in our intelligence community right now and in our law enforcement. And I think we're just seeing stuff bubbling up on the surface. And I think I think all bets are off over the next couple years here, or at least the next couple months. And I think this is what Trump inherited when he came into office. I think, I think what he's in the middle of is uh, basically a soft coup attempt to try to get him impeached. I think they're going after oh, yeah. him. Certainly that's going on. That is certainly yeah, going on. And I, I think also they are uh, also angling uh, to, if not impeach, it's, it's to totally you know, delegitimize. But I think more importantly, I think it is. I think there are forces, uh, and I think it was. It was, uh, and we'll find out. These are just my opinions, but I think these there, these forces were put in motion by Obama, you know, during the transition and, and probably before. But I think it was only after the transition that they actually put this plan into effect because I think they were totally surprised that Obama won. So I think they've been in a panic. I think you mean, you mean that Trump won or Obama won? No, that that Trump won. I think I think right, the okay. Obama administration and the um, the globalists in the international internationalists no. in the um, in and, the and, and I'll be honest with you, real quick, Mike. I think Trump himself might have been a little surprised that he won. Go ahead. Well, I, I, only only time will tell when he writes his memoir. But uh, the uh, this is what I think is going on. I think. And I think that's causing him, who, by the way, this he's never held office that I know of. So now he's holding office as president of the United States, and I think he has this laid on his plate. And he is a smart man. He's surrounded by smart people, and he's feeling his way, I think, carefully through the landmines. And I just find it very refreshing when he, he cranks out his uh, Twitter. I like the Twitter, personally. Yeah, I think it's too, a direct communication, I, and a direct communication to us. And if you think about what he's done on Twitter and what he just did today, uh, in his New York Times interview, I think he is fighting back. I think he's been very—he basically accused Rice of committing illegal acts 
to the New York Times, and that is as direct as you can get. I like to see it. It's very similar to uh, you know, Admiral Nelson and the attack at Trafalgar, or Admiral Nelson and the attack in the Battle of the Nile. Go right at him. And so I think he's, he's honing in on his targets, and I know – I not know, but I strongly suspect there are other targets, and I, I think that they needed to get some foundation in these intelligence communities. They had to find out who their friends were, and they had to find out who their enemies were, and now they're in the process, and I hope they're doing this. I hope they are destroying their enemies, and I believe that Trump has the courage and the while and the stamina and the advisors to destroy these people because they need to be destroyed. They need to be politically destroyed. They need to be investigated. They need to be, there needs to be a grand jury impaneled. And what, because what we have here is, is utter and complete corruption, in my opinion, of the intelligence community. And it doesn't get any worse than that. That is the most powerful part of our government. And that is what I think is going on. And I think this other stuff that is, I think so much energy is going to – and as he fights against impeachment, as he fights against the, these traitors, I think, in the intelligence community, I think they're playing for keeps. I think it's a civil war. They just haven't shot anyone that I'm aware of, but I think it, it, this is Roman Republic, late Roman Republic-type activity. This is, this is the kind of crap – that set up, you know, on a Julius Caesar, a Sulla, a Mark, you know, these, 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 and then finally the fall of the Republic. That is what I think is on the table. What I think is on the table is the fall of the United States Republic. You know, I, I, I can't find anything to argue with your analysis there, Mike. I really, I really can't. I mean, all of it makes a whole heck of a, of a, of a lot of sense. It's, 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 unbe- it's unbelievable that we're actually, you know, and I've been saying this. It's unbelievable that we're we really are seeing this in our time, and I and I really believe that they are wanting to have us fall like you know the ancient Rome. But I uh, just it is bothering the hour, so we do need to hear from our friends at the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show; you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. Let's check out the Patriot Journalist Network at www.PatriotJournalist.com, which Bard's Logic Political Talk is. A proud member, and so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, uh, you, Doctor Tolbert, and then I'm going to play that uh, kind of. It's a five-minute clip of of uh, Susan Rice and, and her lies, and then we'll uh, continue off the con- uh, conversation on that. And we will start at the top of the hour, as you pointed out, Mike, uh, where we are going to uh, you know talk about the uh, Georgia uh, confirmation, and of course, one of the things we're going to talk about is the hypocrisy of the Democrat party, because if we recall, and I'm I'm going to say this shortly because I do want to stay on this topic right here, but uh, what we have is remember back in 2000, I believe seven, when you had uh, 
Biden and you also had uh, Schumer who were talking about blocking uh, Bush's uh, nominees. And then so they're all up in arms and upset about when, you know, the Mitch McConnell decided not to take any votes on, you know, not take any, uh, any votes for uh, Obama's uh, nominee, you know, not nominee, but uh, candidate uh, for the Supreme Court. And so, yeah, nominee to the Supreme Court. And, and so, of course, that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, they're doing what they're doing with Gorsuch. But I will talk more about that at the top of an hour. But let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Colbert. Yeah, and there's just a couple little things I want to just bring to focus. To begin with, to be a leader in a leader position, the first thing you do when you start taking over an office, it's called a 90-day rule. You do not replace, take people out of the office that were in the office prior to that 90 days. At the 90-day cycle, you review the records of all the people in these positions and then by the six months, you replace, remove. That way, you get to do the transition. You don't have the arguments or disagreements with other parties because you've allowed these people. You then have your own people come in and make these transitions. So when you see people in the intelligent field and other places still in a position, and since Trump has the leadership ability, his understanding would be the same as mine from the principle of leadership and being a retired master sergeant taken and being in many different leadership positions, you always call that 90-day or the six-month rule before you replace or remove people from office. So that's why he has not done that yet, because he does understand leadership. Number but two don't you is think the- there's a... But, Dr. Tolbert, don't you think there's, like, a whole lot of damage those people can do in that six, that 90 days or whatever? And everybody's expecting Trump to, do, to be this miracle worker in the first 100 days. And if he has to wait 90 days just to start cleaning the swamp, there's going to be a lot of people upset about that. And they, those people can cause a lot of trouble while they're in there. Yeah, we're not saying that that is always a rule that you have to live by, but it's a normal rule of leadership, and, and that's just the principle. And, yes, there is, but what you do is you having people already taking over, removing the guy, taking responsibility from these other people. This is probably what Trump is doing, and we're not totally aware of what's happening under the table, that he's moving these people out of position but it happens where it doesn't cause all the conflicts and it keeps some doors open that you're going to still be able to enter in order to control things. So you have to understand that, yeah, we're not going to like everything that's going on, but there is principles that if you're a leader that you have to follow, otherwise the mess becomes even greater than what you would have done had you done it immediately because you would not find all the problems. The guy that's in office is not destroying all of his paperwork because he thinks he's going to stay. So now you can go on and find all these hidden documents. You can find all the problems. You can find everything he's caused. And then you can remove him by cause and action showing that he is actually corrupted, uh, did fraudulent action. And you, you bury this guy by his own actions by allowing him to stay and prove your points. That way you cannot have the Democrats or the Republicans say you did it because of the guy was nominated under a political party agenda. So you have to 
as the President of the United States, you have to take it from the viewpoint, what is the impact of a two-party system, which, by the way, is unconstitutional under the 24th Amendment. It's also an antitrust violation, and we could go on and on on that one there. And then we got the problems of the 10th Amendment. We've got all, all kinds of other issues that has not even been addressed that even carry a greater thing. You know, you guys keep talking Obamacare. There is no Obamacare under the Constitution. I keep trying to tell people that, that the 10th Amendment has been violated. Health care belongs to the state. It don't belong to the federal government. Why are we allowing the federal government to take over another one of our positions? They've taken over education, EPA, all the other stuff they have no right to. And yet we keep wanting to focus on something that belongs to the state. Why isn't our governors taking charge of their responsibility? Why are we letting the federal government? Why is the U.S. citizens allowing people to be in office that we started the Civil War because the federal government wanted to take away the rights of the state under the Tenth Amendment? That was the Civil War. The British banks got involved in this and paid the federal government to commit crimes against the South And the South went to war. They changed it to read slavery, had nothing to do with slavery. It was strictly the violations by the 13 states of the South losing their rights. You're losing your rights in America now. The federal government has taken over more than the 17 legal responsibilities under the Constitution. Not one of your senators, not one of your news medias, not one of the people are even looking at the violations of the Constitution. Everybody keeps saying things about stuff that is unconstitutionally correct. Why are we not arguing from the standpoint what is constitutionally correct, and why isn't the president taking hold of things? He says he's going to close down Department of Education. Well, it should be. It belongs to the state. What about the Veterans Association? He's put people in power that have no idea. What about the EPA? What about all these other things in the transportation? So there's, there's so much past everybody's looking at. You're, you're pinpointing one article, but not seeing the Constitution when you make your comments. Well, with that, since we are, you know, fortunately losing you know, time out of this segment, um, I am going to, I mean, you know, I'm sure we're probably, you know, pretty all aware about, you know, Susan Rice and, you know, the things that she's you know, lied about, and, and perhaps we'll even play this in the extended period. I did have a, excuse me, you know, about a five-minute clip I was going to uh, gonna play, but we, you know, unfortunately we are losing uh, time in that, and maybe we'll do that uh, in the extended period. I know, Susan, uh, you just sent me an article about uh, the chemical attack uh, over in Syria, and perhaps, you know, if we'll be able to, to touch those. Well, I have a feeling this could be one of the shows that I could go, uh, go, go four yeah. hours. Hey, Robert, uh, but, Robert. But that is Robert, yes. can I intervene real quick? I have to get going. I got to get go to bed. Um, I I really oh, appreciate okay, Mike. the people. I I really appreciate the people. I wanted uh, to get your take input. on. Uh, uh, what, what can you give us your your take on Gorsuch real quick before you leave? I think they need. Yeah, I think they need to go nuclear option if they have to and get them in there. That's what I think. Um, I think they should. Uh, go ahead and, do, and just do it, and uh, there will be a new precedent established in the Senate, and that's just the way it's going to have to roll for now. But that's the way I look at it. But real quick, I, I do. I really appreciate what everyone has said here. I was listening very carefully, and um, I, I will say I want to make sure that 
for the record, I know that there are patriots in the in t- intelligence community. I know there are patriots in federal law enforcement. I know some of these people. Um, I know there are patriots in um, and really all all branches and not of, of the government. I really believe that. I believe there are patriots on Wall Street. I think I think there are there are patriots in Wall Street. I think they're everywhere. Um, and so, but I really think the critical battle is the patriots in the in intelligence community uh, versus the globalist, socialist, fascist, uh, leftists. That's what I think is going on. And um, I'm, and I just want to say that I, I pray for uh, our country. I pray for the United States of America, and I pray for Donald Trump to to find the strength and the and the rigor and the wisdom. To, to proceed, and um, I, I also want to pray for the, um, the people who are listening, that everyone is uh, safe and healthy and has a good night. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Thank just you. One last quick thing. Uh, uh, one one uh, quick thing. Now, you, uh, Amy Murray, who's running again for city council, is having a, uh, a reception. Someone's uh, doing a reception for her this Friday. At five thirty, were you were you planning on going to that, Mike? Where's that at? Well, you know what, I'll, I'll have to get the uh, invitation. I can oh, give you. A, I, I can give you the. Why um, I asked you not to. Okay. Why don't you Why don't you shoot that to me? Just shoot Hold on. It to me I think. Uh, yeah. What I'll do is I'll get I'll get you that information later. I know it's uh, between five thirty and seven thirty uh, this Friday night, uh, and I'll give you the details of that. Uh, I'll give that text to you tomorrow. Okay, I'll check it out. Okay, great. Well, uh, thanks again, Mike, for coming. We'll we'll talk again soon. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mike. And uh, I had to, you know, at that point, mute. Uh, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, mute Cindy's uh, mic. Sound like there's some something going on <laughs> in the background there. Uh, let me go ahead and. Uh, uh, Cindy, is it okay there uh, for us to keep your mic open? Or <laughs> no, maybe not. We'll uh, we'll text her later. Let's go ahead and because I know a lot of people, may, you know, may have one minute. We only got about fifteen minutes. Only five minute clip. Uh, we may go into the uh, a little bit more in the second segment on this. Uh, you know, if Comey will investigate Rice or not. I mean, I, I would of course like to see. Uh, that he would, but I mean, she's she's a liar, and I, and I think Rand Paul's been talking about uh, wanting to, uh, you know, saying, "Hey, look, she needs to go in front of Congress, you know, and testify." Well, h- here's what uh, we'll go ahead and play the audio that I prepared for us tonight, and talk about uh, Susan Rice lies and and show why we do need to have her under oath instead of on, uh, so, you know, a news cycle uh, to, you know, give us. Uh, some more information, the truth behind uh, behind this. So, first of all, what is the latest you can tell us on who these attackers were at the embassy or at the consulate in Benghazi? We're hearing that the Libyans have arrested people. They're saying that uh, some people involved were from outside the country, that there might have even been al-Qaeda ties. What's the latest information? Well, Jake, first of all, uh, it's important to know that there's an FBI investigation that has begun and will take some time to be completed. That will tell us uh, with certainty what transpired. But our current best assessment, uh, based on the information that we have at at present, is that, in fact, what this began as was a spontaneous, not a premeditated, 
uh, response to what had transpired in Cairo. In Cairo, as you know, a few hours earlier, uh, there was a violent protest that was uh, undertaken in reaction to this uh, very offensive video that was disseminated. Uh, we believe that, that uh, folks uh, in Benghazi, a small number of people came to the embassy to, or to the consulate rather, uh, to, to replicate the sort of uh, challenge that, that was posed in, in Cairo. And then as that unfolded, it seems to have been uh, hijacked, let us say, by uh, some individual uh, clusters of extremists who came with uh, heavier weapons, uh, weapons that, as you know, uh, in, in the wake of the revolution in Libya are, are quite common and, and accessible. And it, it, it then e evolved from there. We'll wait to see uh, exactly what the investigation uh, finally confirms, but that's the best information we have at present. But based on the best information we have to date, what our assessment is as of the present is in fact what it began spontaneously in Benghazi uh, as a reaction to what had transpired some hours earlier in Cairo, where, of course, as you know, uh, there was a violent protest outside of our embassy uh, sparked by this uh, hateful video. Um, but soon after that uh, spontaneous protest began outside of our consulate in Benghazi, we believe that it looks like extremist elements uh, individuals joined in that, uh, in that effort with heavy weapons uh, of the sort that are unfortunately readily now available uh, in Libya post-revolution, and that it spun from there into something much, much more violent. But you do not agree with him that this was something that had been plotted out several not, months we ago? We do not have information at present that leads us to conclude that this was premeditated or pre How much longer? Can Americans expect to see these troubling images and these protests go forward? Well, David, we can't predict with any certainty. Uh, but let's remember uh, what has transpired over the last several days. Uh, this is a response uh, to a hateful and offensive video that was uh, widely disseminated uh, throughout the Arab and Muslim world. Obviously, our view is that there is absolutely no excuse for violence uh, and that uh, what has happened is condemnable. But this is a, a spontaneous reaction uh, to a video, and it's not dissimilar, but perhaps on a slightly larger scale than what we have seen in the past with the satanic verses, uh, with the, the cartoon of uh, the Prophet Muhammad. Well, Candy, first of all, let's recall what has happened in the last several days. Uh, there was a, uh, a, a hateful video uh, that was disseminated uh, on the Internet. Uh, it had nothing to do with the United States government, and it's one that, that we find disgusting and reprehensible. It's been offensive to many, many people around the world. That sparked uh, violence in various parts of the world, including violence directed against Western facilities, including our embassies and consulates. No predicting exactly uh, what the trajectory of this is. Obviously, the last couple of days have been somewhat better, uh, but we're very vigilant, and we are of the view that uh, this is not an expression of hostility in the broadest sense towards the United States uh, or U.S. policy. It's approximately a reaction to this video, and, and it's, a, it's a hateful video that had nothing to do with the United States, uh, and uh, which we find disgusting. And on this point, uh, Sergeant Bergwald, there are a lot of questions about how he originally was captured and whether or not he had deserted, had left uh, his post. Is that going to be investigated? And if it's found that he did indeed uh, leave his post, will he be disciplined or has already paid the price? <laughs> Certainly, uh, anybody who's been held in those conditions in captivity for five years has paid an extraordinary price. But that, that is really uh, not the point. The point is that he's back.
He's going to be safely reunited with his family. He served the United States with honor and distinction. And we'll have the opportunity eventually to, to learn what has transpired in, in the past years. But what's most important now is his health and well-being, that he have the opportunity uh, to recover in peace and security and be uh, reunited with his family, uh, which uh, is why this is such a joyous day. Finally, we're about to hear from Senator. I know nothing about this. I was surprised to see uh, reports from uh, Chairman Yunus on that uh, count today. I mean, let's back up and recall where we have been. Uh, the President of the United States accused his predecessor, President Obama, of wiretapping Trump Tower during the campaign. Nothing of the sort occurred, and we've heard that confirmed by the director of the FBI, who also pointed out that no president, no White House, uh, can order the surveillance of another American citizen. That can only come from the Justice Department with the approval of a FISA court. And can you believe... And as I said, folks, those are, uh, you know, some of the lies, of course, that we know uh, that she said. I mean, that was two weeks ago where she was like, well, I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't say, you know, I didn't leak it, nothing to nobody, double negative there. Uh, but then, of course, we just see recently where she's admitting... Uh, of unmasking these, uh, you know, the the inner circle, these these, these folks in the Trump campaign. Excuse me. And so uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get comments for that. We we only got about seven minutes to the top of the hour and, and into uh, our our next topic, but perhaps we'll we'll run uh, it over a little bit into the next segment. But you've heard that, uh, you know, Dr. Colbert, you know, you've heard those lies, you know, the, the lies that she, she told. And uh, she, she brought up, you know, Comey. Let's go ahead and bring it uh, to uh, to the question at hand for tonight, in, at least in this segment, is do you think and why or why not do you think Comey will uh, investigate or have an investigation on Susan Rice? You know, and the question, of course, that you're asking, will he? And the probability is he will not. And the reason that he will not is not because she's not guilty, but because of the fallout that it will cause and the undermining of the revealing of our intelligence network and its failure to do things which would cause the American people to feel more insecure. So I think they're going to sweep it under the table. I think the news media has already done that, except for the different papers. And although they should actually bring charges against her, I think the greater problem is going to be how everybody's going to look at the CIA and the FBI and how they have misperformed. I think it's going to just take somebody going in and cleaning up the whole mess. They're going to sweep it under the table, and they're going to leave it alone. Well, I really don't. I really hope that doesn't happen. I really hope there's pressure brought to bear to have her investigate it. Let's go ahead and uh, open this. Your uh, mic back up, uh, Cindy. Are you still back? Are you back out there? Or okay, just send me a a, a text, Cindy. Uh, if uh, when you're ready to uh, come back in, I'll get you into the show. I know. Uh, there's time to perhaps you're back and you're not able to uh, talk, but maybe you can make some comments in the chat and I can uh, get those out to us. But I, I do got an article here that, uh, and, and you could check out the, the other articles of tonight's show by going to the Bard's Logic Little Talk page on Facebook. 
All you got to do is go to the search engine uh, uh, there on Facebook and put in Bart's Logic Political Talk, and you'll be able to see, uh, you know, the different articles that I posted. Uh, but one uh, we've got here, I uh, want to make sure. Now, I'll try to run through it, you know, quickly so we can get to our topic. But this is from the National Review. Uh, you know, they're online, and this was uh, dated from yesterday. Okay, by Andrew McCarthy. It says her interest was not in national, and we talked about Susan Rice. Her interest was not in national security, but to advance the political interests of the Democratic Party. It says the thing to bear in mind is that the White House do, the White House does not do investigations, not criminal investigations, not intelligence investigations. Remember that. Why is it so important in the context of explosive revelations that Susan Rice, President Obama's national security advisor, confidant, and chief dissembler, called for the unmasking of Trump campaign and transition officials whose identities and communications were captured in the collection of U.S. intelligence on foreign targets. Because we've been told for weeks that any unmasking of the people in Trump's circle that may have occurred had two innocent explanations. One, the FBI's investigation of Russian meddling in the election, and and, and I, I tell you what, this thing has been going on for eight months, and I think that what they're doing is I think they're waiting until someone's able to fabricate some kind of uh, evidence that there's been collusion, and then after that they're going to try to impeach Trump, as Mike pointed out earlier, as that's one of their end games. Uh, so I think that's what's going on with that. But anyway, and when we mentioned that in the last week's show, Anyway, and also, sorry, still trying to get over this thing. And then two, the need to know for purposes of understanding the communications of foreign intelligence targets. And if Cindy, if that was you who just texted me, I'll read that shortly. Uh, the targets of Americans incidentally intercepted or mentioned. The unmasking Obama apologists insist had nothing to do with targeting Trump or his people. That won't wash. In general, it is the FBI that conducts investigations that bear on American citizens suspected of committing crimes or sorry, folks, committing crimes or of acting as agents of foreign powers. In the matter of alleged Russian meddling, the investigative camp also includes the CIA and the NSA. All three agencies conducted a probe and issued a joint report in January. Uh, that was after Obama, despite having previously acknowledged that the Russian activity was inconsequential, suddenly made a, made a great show of ordering an inquiry and issuing sanctions. Consequently, if unmasking was relevant to the Russian investigation, it would have been done by those three agencies. And you're talking about the NSA, the FBI, and the CIA. And if it had been critical to know the identities of Americans caught up in other foreign intelligence efforts, the agencies that collect the information and conduct investigations would have unmasked it because they are the agencies that collect and refine intelligence product intelligence products for the rest of the intelligence community. They are responsible for any unmasking, and they do it under minimization standards that FBI Director James Comey in recent congressional testimony described as obsessive and their determination to protect the identities and privacy of Americans. Understand, 
there would have been no intelligence need for Susan Rice to ask for the identities to be unmasked. If there had been a real need to reveal the identities, an intelligence need based on American interests, the unmasking would have been done by the investigating agencies. The National Security Advisor is not an investigator. She is a White House staffer. The president's staff is a consumer of intelligence, not a generator or collector of it. If Susan Rice was unmasking Americans, it was not to fulfill an intelligence need based on American interests. It was to fulfill a political desire based on a Democratic Party interests. And there's more to it, but something you want to chime in, uh, Dr. Tolbert, go ahead. No, and, and I agree with everything they're saying. It's not that I disagree with what they're saying. I sent you, you know, four or five articles on exactly what you're talking about. I agree that she did do it. I agree that it was illegal. I agree that she has committed criminal acts. And so everything we're saying here is an absolute fact. However, I do not believe that the Trumps will force the issue other than what they're doing now is to divert attention from other areas. They will play upon that, but I think that's just going to go away. You got the problem with Korea. You got the problem with Syria. You got these more important problems that the president has to face. This one is just going to go under the table and go away. And you think they're purposely, again, you think they're purposely trying to uh, put his up distractions so he cannot uh, attend to those more important. Uh, oh, absolutely. Those more that's important exactly issues. Why they're doing it. No, that's exactly why you're seeing Obamacare. Everybody thinks it's important. Is it more important in Syria and Korea? Is it more important than our our budget coming up? Is it more important than any of the things? No, it's not. So what's happening? The two political parties trying to divert the president from doing his job are using the thing such as Rice or Obamacare or other issues. And these aren't the ones that are his, uh, should even be his concern. Don't you think that Congress should be the one stepping in and, and investigating this and not the president of the United States? What's the executive branch authority to even bring up the investigation? It doesn't belong to the executive branch. It belongs to Congress. Why isn't Congress addressing it? Why isn't Congress, not one member of Congress is even taking concern of this, Robert. Why, why is the president the only one bringing up the issue, and why isn't Congress handling it? That's the questions. Well, there is one senator, I think, that has been uh, being more vocal about it. And one, I don't know as much to say he's the only one. But the one that's been the most vocal, and he's actually called for uh, Susan Rice to uh, to testify in front of Congress, and that's Rand Paul. Right. And and there was another one tonight <laughs> I sent you, I think, an article that has the same thing. But, you know, when you're looking at 100 senators and you have one person making a comment and you're looking at the balance of power and the ones that have the authority um, – you know, we keep saying, you know, can the president go in and, and did he assign all the people, the FBI, the CIA, NASA, how does that fall into the cabinets? Do they have to be verified? And then all these other things coming up. We already know the Times and other newspapers 
are not going to address, and they're going to call it a fraudulent act, even though it's true. Can the president legally authorize an investigation? That's the question. And should Trump stop talking about it and let it be taken over by the Congress and be critical of Congress for not pursuing it? Yeah, those are definitely very good questions. And Susan just sent me uh, an article that we're going to go ahead. It's uh, breaking news. It's from TeaParty.org. It uh, says, breaking new evidence just exposed about Susan Rice. You know, it says she's going to prison, but, you know, we don't know. But that's the, the, the title of the article. It says, uh, with this new revelation out in the open, we the people are demanding Susan Rice to be brought to justice. Rice ordered American spy organization to make up detailed spreadsheets of Donald Trump's phone calls as well as his com- campaign officials, phone calls that were illegal and should have been protected via the Daily Caller. What was produced by the intelligence community at the request of Ms. Rice were detailed spreadsheets of intercepted phone calls with unmasked Trump associates and perfectly legal conversations with individuals, claimed Attorney General Joseph de Genova. Uh, these conversations did not contain any illegal or questionable activity or conversation. It was, the only, it was only the Democrats who were operating on the side of the spectrum. Unmasking the names without proper precedent is wrong and illegal. Unnamed officials also claim that DG, uh, Genova's claims are true and that these surveillance reports were ordered a year in advance of the presidential election. This was no doubt an attempt to ruin the success of Donald Trump. On Monday, it was also revealed Rice requested that this information gathered by intelligence officials be produced by an organization or organized operation. These unmasked names were given out to the National Security Council, National Intelligence Director James Clapper, CIA Director John Brennan, and Defense Department Ben Rhodes. Rice's deputy was also involved. This was pretty much confirmed by Evelyn Farkas, Obama's deputy secretary of defense, uh, who went on national, I'm sorry, national television to confirm that she urged her coworkers to get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration. She, of course, later retracted her comments, claiming she only gave advice. However, once she said it, it was out in the open, and no number of retractions can take that away. The Democrats have been weighed, measured, and found wanting. According to retired Colonel James Warshuk, a retired deputy director of intelligence for Central Command and NSC veteran, several individuals in Obama's administration had to have been involved in order to start the spike program on political individuals. It is mainly a priority of the NSA and they have to follow the rules when another intelligence agency comes forward with a person they wish to unmask. And they should have substantial evidence as to why the person should be unmasked and their name given out. However, Obama administration and, I'm, I'm sorry, however, Obama and his administration, while having one foot out the door, decided to refute the rules and do whatever they wish to spy on Trump. They broadened and eased up on the rules, and they tried to sabotage our president before it was election. The truth is out, and the liberals are guilty. Drain the swamp. Now, that's a, you know, 
a piece there on teaparty.org, uh, uh, which I'll go ahead and also uh, have that posted on uh, the website. I'm not a website, but on the – which I do need to do some updates on there uh, – on the Bard's Logic Political Talk page on Facebook. And I know that you uh, sent me uh, a bunch of articles as well, that uh, Dr. Colbert, and I thank you for that, that I will get those uh, – I will get yeah. those posted on there uh, also. The WNB article I sent you also covered exactly what you just said, and it was also under the same news articles that you were quoting that, that she had sent you. And it goes into the same exact details of what everybody thinks and what everybody feels. But the actual question is, do we think that they will actually do that? Will they pursue and will they incarcerate her and will they go after Obama for what he did? And the answer well, to that, that, that question, I doubt. But I was, thinking, I was thinking about that today. Go ahead. Yeah, and that's my comment. I doubt they will pursue it. I believe there is a violation. I believe there is a problem. I believe they will replace the head of the FBI. I believe this will all take place. But I think what's going to happen is they're going to sweep a lot of it under the table because they, when you find out that I and you have been investigated by the, N, the NSA, that when you and I find out that everything that we're doing, every picture, every conversation, everything we've been doing, you have to remember that your name is out there just as mine is and just as Trump is, that they're investigating us under the same illegal manner of which they're investigating Uh-oh. the United States. They are not going to divulge that because once they do, then the American people are going to know that each individual in America is being supervised and looked at exactly like the president of the United States was. And it's it's a fact. NSA monitors my line. I mean, there's no question about that, uh, Robert. And mm-hmm. they monitor yours. Tonight we posted your show on 40 different networks. And there's somebody listening to this show. Somebody's not going to like what we're saying. Someone's going to come along and investigate it. They're, they're going to sit there. You know, I don't follow Trump on Twitter and Lincoln. They follow us. You know, we write the articles. We make the comments. We're on Sally's uh, show on, on Monday nights, and we post it. We put it on uh, his, you know, we posted yours tonight, 40, 50 different places. Um, are you going to be investigated? You're already under investigation. So why mm-hmm. are we any different president in the United States? It, it's no different. It's illegal. They've already... The Tea Party, the investigation, how they failed to let the 501c3s or even the legitimate, the 501c's even being legitimate, the constitutional violations. All this stuff, Robert, is not being followed according to the Constitution. And that's why when you were reading the article, I went back to one I sent you and, you know, uh, we posted it on, on all the networks today, the source Source of Susan Wright's behind the unmasking of Trump, and it goes in the exact same conversation. But yet the the um, the Times, uh, the the, major, the uh, major newspapers are all saying no, 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 it's not true. And yet there's article upon article upon article. So is it a coincidence? No one's going to sit there and make charges because of the fallout that it would cause under our security system would be greater than incarcerating rice. That's 
the conclusion is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of the same reason why I thought, you know, I was thinking today, you know, what, what, what they come out, you know, what they go after, I was thinking this actually this morning, you know, what they go after, as you pointed out, uh, Obama, uh, for what he's done. And I think that, you know, with what you, they think it would damage not just uh, it would just, it would damage the the presidency of you know the office of the presidency of the United States if they did that, uh, but I think it, it's needed, uh, you know because yeah when it may shake our and let's be honest folks I mean we're I mean our faith is already shaking in our government you know I pr- pretty much don't know what else that there could be done for us not to uh, you know to not be I I think it really needs to shaken up I mean I mean come on I mean that. You know, they made one president, you know, in recent history, uh, resign, right? I mean, you know, I mean, look look what happened uh, to him, you know. So, you know, it's, and, 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 you know, with Watergate and everything. But we, uh, you know, and this, I think this scandal may even be even worse than, uh, worse than Watergate, you know, what, what's, what's going on here. No, and I agree. And you know the eleven uh, the eleven reasons why they should pursue it, according to Fox News, and and why the uh, uh, there should be a charges brought against Obama. Uh, there are articles saying that Trump is filing paperwork against the Clintons. Uh, he's filing paperwork against Rice. He's filing paperwork against Obama. And for them to be incarcerated, and there's articles about them um, being under house arrest. Uh, there's articles about them now under surveillance. Uh, there's articles about the tie to the Muslim Brotherhood of the Clintons and the Obama administration, and the fraudulent money that was taken and undercovered through Saudi Arabia, and the money under the Russian. Um, uh, uranium uh, things, the 51 people that committed suicide under the Clinton administration. Which of all this is greater, the Rice investigating Trump or all the fraudulent actions that Obama did? Why aren't we investigating the, how he got from $100,000 to multi-millions of dollars Why president in the United States, which is illegal? Uh, how much money from Saudi Arabia was paid into the campaigns to get him elected? Uh, this, the money coming from Sawyer's right now, George Sawyer's. Uh, these are the things that we need to investigate. Um, they have a greater impact than the fact that Trump was monitored. Hell, we're all monitored. I mean, it's just the way the life is today in the cycle of events. Is it legal? No, it's not. Are they going to stop it? No, they're not. Um, can we replace everybody in power? Uh, you know, I was in the Army and worked under the S-2 and the, and the G-2 and the G-3, and, you know, I was married to a woman that was part of the uh, NSA, and so I understand that it's very simple to monitor your phone calls, and there's documents available, and uh, there's people following orders, I just don't think anything's going to come of it, and it's a distraction uh, causing Trump to not being the leader he's supposed to be and enforce the executive branch rules and laws as required. And we're going to get back to the immigration again just for the minute for the wall. 
Did you know that building the wall, that all the equipment and all the material is from Mexico and that the United States government is paying Mexico for the trucks, the equipment, and the personnel to build the walls that are being built? I heard something of that, but not a lot of details. Um, You know, I heard mention of it, but I, you know, but I I didn't, to be honest, look, you know, look further into that. Yeah, we're There's some people who were complaining about who were complaining about about that. Yeah, we're built. We're we're building a wall using illegal immigrants and the uh, paying Mexico multi-billions of dollars to do something. And I wrote the article called Virtual Reality Visa, that how we can, in fact, build a wall without having a wall. And it's called virtual reality. And how we can do that through investigations, through background checks. But bringing immigration back under the state again, under uh, the Amendment 10, that naturalization belongs to the federal government, immigration belongs to the state. And again, you know, everything we talk about when they get into what's Trump going to do about immigration, he has no authority. The governors need to take care of it themselves. What are they going to do about Obamacare? It's a state problem. Yeah, maybe we'll, the and, NASA and, and, problem. And that could very well, and that could very well be a topic uh, that we could discuss when we get uh, Governor Bevin back on. Right, and I, and I think when you get back into NASA, you know, you're going to have a Supreme Court order of something that has to either take place or not take place, will somebody bring charges and force it to go to court, and will Congress establish a committee to take care of the problem, or is Congress going to continue to violate antitrust violations and work together as one group of people as a Democrat or Republicans? That is really the question that everybody has to ask when you read, and like I said, I sent you three or four, you just got another one. They're all saying the same exact thing, not by the major news medias. You don't see nothing really on television. Right. You don't see right. papers, you backdoor articles. So why should it become real? Did they dig up a grave of one of the guys that was killed by the uh, Clintons? And is there going to be a reopening, a, a murder investigation? Will Hillary Clinton be pursued for murder? Uh, as, as yeah, well we won't as see any of that. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Did did Obama right. pay multi-millions of dollars to the uh, uh, Hillary to drop out of the election, which is a violation of the Constitution? All these things. Why was an African-American placed as president of the United States other than the fact that if we had impeached him, we would have had an, a racial uprising. So under the Bush family money, they selected the person that they could manipulate, put into power, and continue to do this. So when you talk about global uh, control or the Illuminatis, which we go back to, which is tied into the Freemasons and the Jesuits, how is this all being played down? Now the question is, is Trump... Part of that group of people, but putting on a facade to make you think we're actually heading in a different direction. I don't have an answer for that one. The only time we'll tell him that we've got John in the line, so we're going to bring him in, and then after that we'll go on to our next uh, our next topic. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, welcome John. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you, Robert. Um, 
the second part of it is, I think what you were mentioning earlier is a lot of this is really just a dog and pony show to distract us so they can do other things behind the scenes in the dark. For example, you know, I don't know how many people know, they passed House Joint Resolution 34, which now, I don't know the details yet, I haven't been able to go through everything to validate what I understand to be true or not, but it sounds like it's just catering to the big business corporate globalists that want to control everything so they can now use your personal identification information to trade and sell at at a higher level than what it used to be. And it's just... it's just like you guys are also talking about antitrust, insider trading. They use the data center and all the data collections to have insider information about you, and then they can control you with all the laws, rules, regulations, burdens, and encumbrances on you. However, you and the rest of we, the people, are the overseers of our own government. They do not allow us to that same technology and data resources and data sets that our money bought and then we could hold our own government accountable see it's all backwards it's weird so you might want to do a little search on the house joint resolution 34 and and find out if that was another way for them to manipulate your data and you know you've been hearing them from the vault seven and these releases of information from wikileaks you know, if it weren't for WikiLeaks and some of these people, we wouldn't even know the malicious mischief that some of the people in our government are going. Yeah, I agree with Mike that there are some patriots in our CIA and NSA, and, you know, they're throughout the United States in every branch of our government and every company. The problem is, is there's the, the too many crooked people that are actually making things happen, and the good people either are feeling like they're bound with their hands behind their back or they're not saying stuff or standing up for whatever reason so the evil gets just run roughshod over the rest of us and it's once you start opening that door that pandora's box gets open it's katie bar the door everybody nobody can trust anybody and that's the way our stock market and business and everything works on trust if we start destroying our trust we can't believe in our fellow man to you know, actually be for us as Americans. They can all come into America without assimilation and then enact, you know, whatever fascism or communism or whatever. I think we're under a feudalistic system right now. We've we got the vassals and the serfs and the people in power like George Soros and all the other big money people and the multinational corporations are just jerking their strings with their... Because think about it. Donald Trump has property all over the world. So, like, I think somebody even mentioned before, those are conflicts of interest. All you got to do is say, get some way to communicate with Trump or some of his entourage, his family and whatnot, and say, look, don't ever say anything about anything to anybody, what I'm getting ready to say. Otherwise, there's going to be hurt in your family bad. Because, number one, if you don't do what we say, and this, I'm just trying to play the devil's advocate here. These people around the world, these global control freaks that don't respect, you know, all of us is right to equal self-govern. Well, they just say, hey, look, you do what we say or we're going to start to 
destroying your properties around the world. You're going to lose all your assets and lose your wealth. And then, if that ain't enough for you to calm down, we'll start taking out your family little by little. And then, bam. He's got so many people now that's probably hooking him that he's going, okay, well, you establishment Republicans and globalist-minded people, sure, I'll kind of bend over. Yeah, let's pass the Ryan, you know, Obamacare thing. And let's, you know, do this and that like he's letting the country, I mean, companies, foreign companies run roughshod over property rights through these executive orders for the pipelines. I'm like, come on, get real, dude. This is your fellow American, and you're letting a foreign company run roughshod over your own fellow Americans' property rights to give them a pipeline through here. Where's, where's free market enterprise in that? That's a, that's a hypocr- hypocrisy. So uh, I'm, I'm just struggling. Well, I'm thinking of all that land. Well, I'm thinking of all the land that they sold to the Japanese and Chinese. You know? Yeah, well, I'm thinking of all like, the land that, that China has here. And what, they didn't even have a rightful access, jurisdiction over that land. They fooled, hit, you know, psychologically freaked the rest of us out to m- manipulate that scam so they could claim legal right to do what they do. It's the same thing that Dr. Tobit was talking about with the uranium mineral rights throughout, you know, Montana and all these different states that have high capacity for uranium. And then supposedly Clinton and them set up that shell company in Canada and Russia did a deal with this shell company through Canada in order to get all the mineral rights out from under the American people. I mean, it's just one scam after another. It's breaking down the trust of our society, and we have to figure out. I'm always saying, hey, look, let's all get together and use Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution and pass an, an amendment that says that all of these uh, congressmen and senators and whatnot, they can no longer force the companies to collect the tax dollars and, and remit them for us on our behalf. The companies pay you every penny that you earn through them, and even the matching that they have to do, they can send the matching, you know, that, they, that comes out of their pocket because they have certain taxes, you know, for unemployment and FICA. And, you know, it's like, once they know that they don't have guaranteed money flowing to their bank accounts and they have to get our assent, our cooperation, where we all are in unity together, they won't have the resources to go buy all this stuff and then hold a gun to our head and say, nope, this is the way we're going to do it, whether you like it or not, because you're nothing but a serf now. And we've got the vassals, you know, the corporations in place to run roughshod over you, serfs, and you just do what we tell you, and otherwise, you know, we're going to keep taking, we'll take 90% of your money, and, and then you won't be able to live on 10%. Well, a lot of people are having problems living on what they do get now, because it's not only federal taxes, you got state taxes, when double taxation, they still take out your FISA, your, your FICA, and your, you know, for Medicare and Medicaid and stuff, but now you also got to pay for um, your. Obamacare for umpteen to whenever I guess you get on the Medicare. So between now and the time you get 65, they're going to be milking you every month for the premiums, and then you're paying ridiculous, you know, um, out-of-pocket deductibles and stuff for your Obamacare. But, and so they get rich off of that. And then if you do live to 65 or whatnot, 
you might get some of the benefits of Medicare. I'm like going, you're paying two or three times for health care in that scenario. It doesn't make sense. Well, and that's a lot of the stuff that I think people were hoping, uh, you know, Trump would take care of him and, with the, and why there was such a movement for him to uh, to win. And I think that's one of the reasons why the powers that be that wanted Hillary Clinton uh, to win backed away uh, from, from putting her in there because, you know, people were de- you know definitely paying attention uh, to their mechanisms to try to, you know, <clears throat> what I would say, steal the election. And when we could get Jim Condit back on here, he could tell, definitely tell us more about that. But actually, we're almost uh, into the the second half of the show, and we haven't had a chance to get on our uh, our next topic. So I want to excuse me. I want to be able to do that. And so now the next thing, you know, the next thing, of course, you know that they're talking about is to you know the the, the worship confirmation. And of course, one of the reasons why that the the Democrats, you know, are behaving uh, badly, you know, behaving the way they are is. You know, they're still upset about what happened uh, when, it was, you know, after Scalia uh, passed away, and, and they want to put their, their, their guy up there. Uh, and I still speculate that, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I think there may have been some shenanigans you know, surrounding uh, his death. I really do. And, and, and their hopes, you know, and I'm just speculating here by saying that, uh, but in their hopes of putting a uh, – you know, they're picking there now. I mean, I'm not a big fan of uh, Mitch McConnell by any stretch of the imagination. But at least I, I, I think at least or feel at least that he did stand uh, <laughs> me, his ground when it came to that nomination of, you know, of that judge. And, of course, now that Trump's in there, you know, they they want to be obstructionist, you know, even doing some unprecedented, unprecedented things with the filibuster. Uh, for a Supreme Court justice. But what all that stems from, I think, is there's definitely hypocrisy there uh, because, you know, what the the Republicans did uh, when, by not putting up a vote for his uh, uh, Supreme Court nominee uh, was not something that's unprecedented. Through my understanding, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost common practice that if there is to be a a change of judges in the Supreme Court while there's an election season going on that you'll wait until the election in order, you know, the election's over uh, in order for the new president or the continuing president to go ahead and make those nominations. Now, through my understanding, that, that, that was a pretty common practice. But then also you have uh, the hypocrisy, uh, you know, of the liberals, you know, back in, you know, as far as 1992 with, with Schumer and with uh, Clinton, and we're about to uh, – we're not not Clinton, Biden, and we're about to hear from that. So let's go ahead and open up our, our second segment uh, with that audio uh, that I'm referring to. Given the unusual rancor that prevailed in the Thomas nomination, the need for some serious reevaluation of the nomination and confirmation process, and the overall level of bitterness – that sadly infects our political system and this presidential campaign already. It is my view that the prospects for anything but conflagration with respect to a Supreme Court nomination this year are remote at best. Of President Reagan and Bush's last seven selections for the court, 
Two were not confirmed, and two more were approved with the most votes cast against them in the history of the United States of America. We have seen how, Mr. President, in my view, politics has played far too large a role in the Reagan-Bush nominations to date. One can only imagine that role becoming overarching if a choice were made this year, assuming a justice announced tomorrow that he or she was stepping down. Should a justice resign this summer and the president move to name a successor, actions that will occur just days before the Democratic presidential convention and weeks before the Republican convention meets, a process that is already in doubt in the minds of many will become distrusted by all. Senate consideration of a nominee under these circumstances is not fair to the president, to the nominee, or to the Senate itself. Mr. President, where the nation should be treated to a consideration of constitutional philosophy, all it will get in such circumstances is a partisan bickering and political posturing from both parties and from both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. As a result, it is my view that if a Supreme Court justice resigns tomorrow or within the next several weeks, or resigns at the end of the summer, President Bush should consider following the practice of a majority of his predecessors and not, and not, name a nominee until after the November election is completed. The Senate, too. This means just a slight pause there so we get uh, had some audio there. Hubbard's still playing for from for Schumer. Now, that was prior to the um, Trump becoming in office, what he was talking about. And the question was, should there have been a new... Oh, that, um, was, that was back from 1992. That, that's back yeah. from 1992. That's Biden in 1992. And I, I don't know what happened right. to the rest of that audio. Any yeah, but, but the point, again, oh, is I hear something, fact, but it's not... They must prove. Uh, but basically, the other part of the clip was Schumer, uh, you know, stating that, you know, about blocking Bush's uh, nominees. And that happened uh, 18 months. He made the speech about blocking uh, Bush's appointees 18 months. Uh, and Nadja, if you see on the line, just push the one on your number dial when you want to get in. But. Excuse me. I mean, that 18 months before uh, Bush uh, was to be out of office, Schumer was talking about, you know, holding back on, uh, you know, or, or not, you know, not getting a vote for uh, his nominees. 18 months, you know, prior to that. I mean, well, I mean, what hypocrisy to now come back and say, well, you didn't let, uh, you didn't do a vote for Obama's uh, Supreme Court justice nominee. When you you guys want to do that, 18 months, a year and a half, the last year and a half 
of Bush's uh, presidency. Hey, Robert, do you have the video or audio from C-SPAN from November the 21st, 2013, when Harry Reid stood on the floor with Schumer to his side, too, as majority leader Harry Reid enacted the, um, what do you call it, the nuclear option, 51 votes, in order to get all of the mm-hmm. down right. appellate court people. Do you have that audio? No, unfortunately I do not. I didn't even think you get that one. I didn't think you get that one to be honest. But yeah, I know what you, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because yeah, they did the nuclear now it's for appellate courts, as you as you pointed out, uh, you know, justice where they use the nuclear option. And now so now I think that's one of the reasons why this talk about doing it to the Supreme Court. I mean and, he, and he's gonna get in and then one of the things Schumer uh, tried to say was you know, they have to be within the the, the, the mainstream. You know, we got to put a justice in there as the mainstream. So they don't want to be thinking about putting a justice in there in the mainstream if, if they're the ones in power. If Hillary Clinton uh, would have, you know, gotten elected, you think she would have gotten a mainstream? No, she would have got a, a, a liberal activist judge in there as who her nomination or uh, nominee would be. But, but let's go ahead and we'll, we're going to stay with this and we'll get over to you. Uh, uh, Dr. Tolbert in a little bit, but let's first go ahead and welcome Naj onto the line. Thank you very much, uh, Naj, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, how are you? I'm all right, man. Sitting there listening to you guys, man. Yeah, I mean, this is this is basically uh, what I call the argument of no integrity, because that's what this is. If you position the Democrats in the Republican space, and the Republicans in the Democrat space, uh, they would be making the same arguments on behalf of their parties. So that's what this is actually about. Of course, the Democrats don't want them to appoint a conservative judge of that age who they who would be around for a while who they'd have to deal with. And the, their Democratic base is going to be behind them on trying to block it in any way that they can, even if it's only ceremonial and he'll eventually be set. Now, if you flip it, the Republicans would be saying the same thing as we saw with Merrick Garland when they said, oh, even though he's a, you know, somewhat conservative or somewhat was most people would say a centrist, they still, you know, decided they were not going to let Garland sit. Why? It was in the interest of their party. So this is all partisan politics, nothing of real substance. And the saddest part about all of this is we really, really, really equate the Supreme Court to this high prestigious notion when in reality, for the most part, they rule on wedge issues. They rule on things we're emotional about. But the things that really matter, uh, as far as addressing debt issues, addressing military spending, addressing health care, things like that, they usually don't even come into play. So I, I would say that executive office Well, they is came into play with Obamacare, important. though. They did come into a play oh. when it came to Obamacare, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they made- and they made a bad decision because they made they called it an excise tax, which was illegal to to have the Obamacare under that. And so the Supreme Court has violated their rights under the First Amendment, the Tenth Amendment, and that when I bring charges against the Supreme Court, they tell me that I can't do that. But under Article Three, you as the citizens can file claims directly to the Supreme Court. And what we keep forgetting is the Supreme Court does not make these laws. It comes under the exec, the, uh, the under Congress, and the Supreme Court is now making laws. So the question is, will Congress establish term limits to 
negate what you just said about a younger man becoming a Supreme Court justice. If they set term limits of 12 years, then none of that is relevant, and that's what we need to do. We need to set term limits for the Supreme Court. What do you think about that, Naj? What, what, what Dr. Tolbert is saying? Can you guys hear me? Yes, we, we hear you now. We want to hear you now. Sorry, <laughs> man. I had a lot of noise, so I had to mute. <laughs> I had a lot of noise. No, I understand what you're saying. The only <laughs> problem with this is I, I go, you, you take this to Rome and the great General Pompey uh, who said, uh, don't quote laws to men with swords. And, and that's eventually what you're actually talking about. When you start talking about things being constitutional and you're talking about power, People go to go to school to learn ways to circumvent the Constitution. I'm a constitutional lawyer. I've learned uh, how to find loopholes in it and how to work around it and reword and rephrase things in a way that makes what I what would deem illegal legal. So that's the issue we're dealing with, and that's why you won't see any real, uh, you know, compensation or, or re- reassurance when you take these people to court or try to, you know, stop something from happening. We have an issue of power out of control in this country. And, you know, that comes from the court system all the way to executive office. But I, I definitely see your point you're making here, and you're right in theory. It's just the problem is in practice, uh, those are the things that can't be exercised. But the, the, the last point I'll, I'll make on this, because I know you guys got a lot to say about it as well, but these two parties, they move on their own interests, and we have to stop being so emotional and, and taking their arguments on their face as if these people are making these arguments uh, because it's the right thing to do. They're interested in power and longevity. And I really do think we need to uh, revisit the idea of a Supreme Court justice having a lifetime appointment. Like, that is an old relic of an idea that definitely should be thrown away. If we put Facebook and Twitter in front of RBG and some of these other justices and told them to set up their own accounts right in front of us, would they be able to do it? Probably not. Like, these people weren't born in this era. And the idea that they should be the ones ruling over things when time is kind of, you know, passed them by. I don't want to say time's passed them by. Just you're born in a different era and the world is different. It's all of us on this call. Could we really rule on society in 2050? How different will the world be? Yeah, well, I can imagine it'd be be pretty pretty different. We'll be colonizing Mars by then. (laughs) You know, so... Yeah, and that's why so I, I'm against the Supreme Court lifetime appointments. Period. So, no, and and what happened when they originally did that? The Supreme Court justices were dying at the age of fifty, fifty-five, which was the average age. So there was not the problem of somebody being in office for forty years. Well, now that is no longer relevant. So now they do have to vote in the term limits in order to stay with what was agreed upon and thought about when they originally assigned. When the Supreme Court has violated what they call good moral character, which we have had that problem with our Supreme Court justices, Congress can replace and Congress can also do it. And when you say that in theory certain things are happening, the Constitution is being violated. That is not a theory. The the Constitution is the document on how we are established as an American country. When it is violated and the Supreme Court does not rule against these violations, all members of the Supreme Court should be replaced as a non-moral character. Well, I guess I misspoke when I said theory. I should have more said enforcement. 
So it's like you can bring the case to, to bear, but to actually have the enforcement power to actually make it happen or to stop them from doing things that they do, uh, that power just doesn't exist for normal citizens and advocates of the Constitution. That was my point there. Yeah, and that goes back to the executive branch to enforce. And when the governor of Florida had, and we're just, we're not, I'm, I'm a pastor, a doctor of education, and retired military. So just give you a quick background. I ran for the governor of Florida also. But when the Supreme Court ruled on same-sex marriage and ruled that it was uh, uh, legal and the states had to do that, they actually violated the First and Tenth Amendment. The state of Florida had already in their constitution marriage was one man and one woman. Now, I'm not judging this from the Bible standpoint. I'm only telling you from a constitutional standpoint. The Supreme Court would have had to rule a civil union, not same-sex marriage. Then they could have sent it back to the states, and each of the 50 states would have had to rule on civil unions. But when the Supreme Court ruled same-sex marriages must be adopted in every state, they violated the Constitution. They violated the First and Tenth Amendment. And the state governor of Florida, who has already in their constitution what marriage is. I'm using that as an example because there's a multitude of examples where the Supreme Court ruled on factors that violated the state rights. And so this is a major one, but there's many other ones. Obamacare, it should have been ruled. It's unconstitutional. It belongs to the Tenth Amendment. It belongs to the state. EPA or transportation. Or, or the Department of Education, all are not being ruled upon by the Tenth Amendment or any other amendment. Same thing as political offices. There is no such thing, and Jefferson clearly stated, if you have a two-political system, you're going to lose. Electoral colleges are illegal under the constitutions. The Amendment 12, 14, 24, you know, all these things lay it out, but the Supreme Court's doing nothing. So, what are we going to do when we appoint another guy that's going to be in there for 40 years and Congress does nothing about it and the executive branch who only has the authority, executive orders are not constitutionally correct if, in fact, they violate the Constitution. They cannot make a law. So we're continuing not educating the public what is the responsibility of the three branches of government. See, I think the biggest problem is what Naj was trying to get across in the sense that, in theory, the way we understand the way the Constitution is supposed to work, everything makes sense. But in the practical reality, that is not the way it works out. That's why you see Michael Milken and um, all these different CEOs that were in the, you know, AIG and all the bailouts and stuff. None of them, Ivan Bosky, all those guys, those corporate raiders. And even remember Charles Keating, the Keating Five, John McCain. <laughs> he was a part of that with with um, John Glenn, and none of them seen any prison time or jail time or nothing. They got off. Well, Keating ended up going to jail for the SNL thing. Ivan Bosky and all these other guys, and Mike Mulkin, he went to jail for a little bit, but all the other people didn't. So there's dual. There's this screwy up, screwed up. The theory is always perfect. But the practical application of the way it's actually done, the upper echelon elite always get some kind of back 
backdoor trick deal where they get off on stuff, whereas the common, you know, forgotten man or, or regular le- um, lower-income citizen, they don't have the money to compete, so they get the doggone tentury. It's not yeah, that's what we told yeah, we had that conversation the other day. There was a guy who had three strikes, and you're out. He stole a dozen donuts, and he got life imprisonment for stealing a dozen donuts. But you got multi-millionaires such as the Clintons that have yet to face any time at all in prison. And I think I, I think my point was well made by you two gentlemen. <laughs> I have nothing <laughs> else to add. <laughs> I just well, wanted I mean, to make well, sure no, because a lot what, of times we say stuff and forget about the point. And the point you made being there's multiple justice systems depending on the social economic class you you know, are in. And that's very important. We need to try to get this justice for all equal, but it, it just ain't working. It's not practical for some reason. Indeed. And, and playing devil's advocate here, what would you say to the people – to, you know, when they say, well, wait a minute, by trying to instill uh, term limits on justices, and I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with you guys, you know, I think I like that idea. Uh, but anyway, what would you say to people say, well, wait a minute, that'll be against the separation of powers if you're going to have the, legisla- you know, the legislature basically take uh, one of what they think is a power of the uh, Supreme Court away from them? By making that, are, are we are we looking are we looking for the greater good or are we beholden to things that we consider sacred? That that would be my question. Are we into problem solving, or are we into saying, well, this says this right here, so they got us, so we can't fix this problem? No, I think we have to address issues as they are, and, and some things that were made, you know, in in the you know in the days of old, where people could never envision what the world would be today. Uh, you can take direction from them, but that doesn't mean that those things are, are set in stone and can never be touched. I, I think that's a bad way for any nation that considers itself one of the uh, top echelon uh, nations on the globe to, to, co- to conduct business. Matter of fact, that sounds like a world power in decline who holds on uh, you know, to, to that instead of looking at, okay, this is a problem, we have to solve it. Yeah, I'll give you a good example. The Supreme Court in Venezuela just ruled against their Congress and took the power away from the Congress and gave the power to the dictatorship or the socialism of the uh, president of Venezuela. Here in America, the Congress is the one that puts the person in power in the Supreme Court. The president makes the nomination, so the Supreme Court has the least of the power and their only job is to interpret not to make any law mm-hmm. so when you met supreme court and it's equality the supreme court has no equality the way it gets chosen the way it gets nominated and its only purpose is the interpretation and enforce not even the enforcement the interpretation only of the constitution did you violate a constitutional law and if in fact you did can I hold you responsible at the federal level? That's the question. Remember, all of your federal judges have to be appointed by the Senate, the federal Senate, not the state Senate. So all your judges, even at your state level, are now illegally in position according to the Constitution. Hey, real quick, folks, I uh, just got a uh, message there from uh Cindy, and she wants to wish everyone a 
a good night and enjoy the show. And uh, we'll see you again uh, soon, Cindy. But uh, she just wanted to say her good night. She's got to uh, roll, <clears throat> roll for the, the evening. And I do see we only got about eight minutes until we go to the extended period for what we lovingly call Bard's Logic Day After Dark. Uh, so uh, let's make sure that those uh, phones or whatever devices you're called in on are fully charged because we'd hate to see anyone uh, lose connection because uh, of a dead battery. So let's <clears throat> keep that uh, keep that rolling so we don't lose uh, uh, the call. So go ahead, guys. Thanks for letting me uh, uh, interrupt there. Oh, is Kelly on? Because I think another No, I do not. Is... Yeah, I do not see Kelly. I don't know what. And I was hoping uh, we get Jim Conda back on. I know he had some car issues. Uh, we're hoping to have him on last week. Uh, so that, that ended up taking up uh, his night. So I haven't had the opportunity to talk with or even communicate in any way uh, with Kelly. So perhaps one of their, the meetings that they, they do uh, ran over and they were not able to. Uh, make it in tonight, and I, I, I don't know if they'll be making it in within the next couple minutes. But that's uh, a good reminder. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll throw a quick uh, text out to Kelly real quick. Well, the reason I was asking, Robert, is because Kelly seems to be more informed and knowledgeable about the citizen jury system and how that worked. Because from what I remember, I mean, I, I really am not that versed in it, but um, back in the day when our country was first being founded, there was a lot more citizen juries that helped actually establish the laws and rules and processes and procedures that we would be held accountable to, and they actually somehow circumvented that whole system to a court-based system that the judges pretty much take over, and the Congress have advocated what's the word, abrogated most of their responsibility in that regard. Abdicated, I don't remember which is the right word, but Kelly seems to be a lot more familiar with that, and I was hoping he could chime in. Well, actually, I'm just going to wait for him to push the – I just get real real quick, I just got to wait for him to push the one and the number dial because maybe he – it's like Beetlejuice. Maybe he said his name three times, and boom, he appeared. I do see uh, (laughs) Kelly in the call. Kelly, when you're ready, push the one on your number dial. So we we got it. He got in just in time. Uh, so whenever Kelly, uh, you're ready, we'll we'll go ahead and get you into the show. Uh, so he must have his ears must have been burning. Now we we're talking about him. Go ahead, Nosh. Yeah, I was just gonna say you run into the same problem there when you talk about changing the whole jury system. You run into the same obstacle. So we're still talking about systems that are set in stone based on people's ability and power in order to hold on to them. Uh, The jury system now is broken anyway. Do most people get a jury of their peers? No. Uh, Do most uh, people who serve on a jury do it willingly? Uh, Some people do it out of civic duty. Some people do it because they have to show up under threat of being thrown in a cage or fined. And then the idea of how many days can I afford to miss work staying here for this case? And people have that weighing on their mind during jury selection. And some people will right, ask questions right. in a way that they don't get chosen because they know they have to go to work in the morning. So when you have a system right. that's flawed, you get the outcomes that we have now. And we have a horrible system based on punishment, uh, not a re- rehabilitation, or uh, forward thinking about what happens when those citizens come out of those jails. So, yeah, there, there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, that goes well, back to the first this, one this I was the seven- messed up. That's why I was hoping Kelly, because he was 
little bit more the way it was set up in its original founding, and it had served a greater purpose. Whereas, like you were just saying, Nodge, today's jury system is perverted and messed up. But maybe going back to the understanding of how the original jury system was set up, it would bring just decisions as opposed to this crony, you know, politicalized system. Yeah, but you got to go back well, to the fact originally it was set up that the, that the juries would follow the Constitution. Today they don't follow the Constitution. You know, when I was seventeen, it was go in the army or go to jail, and I went in front of a judge, and I was given an option: defend your country or go to jail. And so I went in the army and served twenty-two years. Today, our young men and women don't have options anymore, and there is no constitutional evaluation by the court system did you violate a right of the constitution and we have totally gotten away from the constitution and let's go ahead and bring in our friend kelly thank you very much kelly for uh coming into the show how are you tonight hey i'm sorry a little late i was out gold mining um here in california and trying to stake a claim we'll see what happens with that but and of course, you're going to yeah, ask if I find. Yeah, you're going to ask if I found gold. Of course, I always find gold. Just a few flakes, but anyway, um, jury. Well, first I got to tell you a huge victory. I was on the phone last night with Cheryl Blychester. Do you remember her? She was the expert witness uh, against uh, the County of Sacramento, and uh, she was defending. Well, actually, it went forward where the um, aggregate operation was having such hassle from the county and environmental departments and all sorts of blah de blah that they won. The jury awarded $107 million for the aggregate operation. Wow. So, you know, that's a civil jury, of course, and they even imposed punitive damages on several government officials as well as a former county supervisor, and Dan Lundgren, who was the governor of California years ago, who's now a congressman, he was involved in calling agencies and pushing them to the end result. And the end result was try to shut these people down. And um, this, there was uh, documentation that their competitor, which is Tykert, um, the competitor um, was using the environmental laws to try to shut their competition down. And so the attorney's fees are up in the around forty million. And after wow. you know, dozens dozens of millions the attorneys realized, you know what, we're gonna work it out with payments, what have you, but we're gonna continue on just for the cause of what you're doing. And so they prevailed and Cheryl, who was on our show, she was um an expert witness on behalf of uh the plaintiff the defendant was Sacramento County, and um, she was depositioned for three days. In other words, she was on the, the witness stand, the hot seat, for three days. And when it came time to cross-examine, the defense, the county of Sacramento, did not cross-examine her. What that means is that every statement she made is essentially valid when it goes to appeal. So it's rather uh, interesting, of course, some government workers uh, – our, our paid administrative leave soon to be fired. So we have something here, of course, when the civil jury um, acts and holds government accountable, which is a brilliant line by Thomas Jefferson, 
Thomas Jefferson said, I consider trial by jury as the only anchor ever yet imagined by man that which a government can be held to the principles of its constitution. He penned that in a letter to Thomas Paine, July 2nd, 1789, uh, when Paine was advising the French. And he didn't think the French would accept trial by jury, but they did. Of course, World War II, and they didn't have a jury anymore after the Nazis. But at least, you know, the French had a good system of accountability for a while. Um, but anyway, so some of these questions, you guys, I, I heard what you're saying. Um, the I have heard, um, well, first of all, uh, Chief Justice Harlan Stone, 1941, stated that the law itself is on trial just as much as the cause to be decided. That was 1941. Of course, there's been other, uh, this is called jury nullification, where criminal case, you know, death penalty for uh, jaywalking, uh, the jury can say, no, we ain't going to do this. I'm sorry. I don't care if he's guilty. I don't care if that's the law. Well, it's called jury nullification. Summerlin versus Stewart, Duncan versus Louisiana, Taylor versus Louisiana, and even John Jay in an early case said that, uh, yeah, the the jury can judge the law because if the law is oppressive. In fact, in in the nation's history, legislatures would write some stupid laws and it was just unenforceable, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. This is stupid. Pretty soon the legislature would have to repeal laws because they couldn't get the jury to um, to go along with the legislature. So it, it's, it is, you know, just as Thomas Jefferson, I consider trial by jury as the only anchor ever yet imagined by man by which a government can be held with the principles of its constitution. Present day, yeah, we have problems. Um, in when I've served as uh, jury duty, I got kicked off because I knew about jury nullification. I should have just shut my mouth. Uh, recently, <laughs> yeah, so they're like, was, nope. Yeah, they, they're like, get him off. Anyway, <laughs> but. Uh, I recently, I know a guy who, um, he's another gold miner, but he was accused of child molestation, and he went through a criminal trial, and it came out um, 7-5 in his favor. It's a hung jury. He had to spend about, uh, I want to say $50,000 in defense. The, the county wow. had 200000 And now they're going to have a retrial. And it's like, he's going to do it himself, because mm-hmm. obviously he can't afford that much money. Um, so yeah, we you know Nazi Germany got rid of trial by jury, but it wasn't it was the Weimar Republic actually they got rid of it in 1924. They had it since the mid 1800s. Well, 1924, wow, well, we don't need this, you know. And within 20 years, 20 million people were murdered. Uh, Stalin, 1918, they again they had, the Russians had trial by jury mid 1800s. They got rid of it in, in uh, 19, was it, 17, 1918. Within 20 years, again, 20, uh, 20 million people were murdered. It's called democide when your government kills your own people. Counties Mao took over a country, didn't have trial by jury. Guess what? You know, 30 million. Um, Cuba used to have trial by jury until Castro. But in keeping up with the Joneses, there's not many people on the island. They only kill about 15,000, maybe 50,000 people. So it's a real pinnacle, but yes, today the judges will tell you you must judge the law against the facts. And if you raise your hand and say, uh, my conscience bothers me here, uh, get him out. Let's put the alternative, al- alternate alternate juror in. Um, so there there are real problems. It, it's getting weaker and weaker. Um, yeah. 
you know, back in the no, old I, days. I was just going to say real quick, I, I don't think people are saying get rid of trial by jury. I think they're saying do it in a just and fair manner to where we're not the most incarcerating nation on earth. Uh, we have more people incarcerated than most developed nations all put together. So there's a problem there to where your system is just, uh, there's no carrot. It's just all stick. And it's failing. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing if you talk to a lot of people who've been locked up to see if they actually were judged by a jury of their peers. And for the most part, the answer is no. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that one. Well, I do see we are into our final hour. And we can uh, either uh, do uh, one of a number of things. And one is, you know, our, our next topic. I mean, we could continue on with the with the courts, and I do see three one four called in as well, and some other calls. Uh, if you'd like to chime in, uh, just push the one on your number dial, and we'll get uh, you into the show. And uh, so, you know, no, I didn't get a chance to maybe talk as much about, uh, you know, the Comey and the Rice. Talk a little bit on that, or Kelly, if you wanted. To, you know, want to chime in on that topic as well, you know, what's, what's going on with, uh, you know, Rice and the unmasking. Not to what, it's almost weird how she looks like. And does anyone know she's actually related to Condoleezza Rice? Does anyone know that? Susan Rice? Because she kind of looks like Condoleezza Rice to, <laughs> to me. Um, but anyway, I just find it interesting that you have two Rices uh, who were the national security advisor? I just find that interesting, and they and they both kind of even looked like a little bit. Remember Jerry Rice from San Francisco Forty ers Well, real, uh, I don't know about that, <laughs> but she's she's related to Jerry Rice. Is that what you said? Wasn't Jerry Rice uh, wide receiver on the San Francisco Forty ers football team? I don't just because right. their last name is Rice. Don't think they're related, but that. You never know. Oh, I know, I know. I just, oh, well, I just find that that you know, the, you know, the, they were both, both, you know, Condoleezza and her, uh, both national security viruses. You know, they both kind of, I mean, they they kind of look alike. <laughs> you know, so I was just wondering if maybe they were cousins or or related somehow. But uh, anyway, I digress. And so what we'll no, do is we'll uh, get our roundtable. Nah, we'll just get our, our roundtable here. We'll start uh, uh, with you, Naj, and then you, Kelly. And, uh, you know, first of all, we'll do, you know, if you want to make any comments on, uh, you know, those recent, you know, developments uh, with, with Rice. Or we can talk about uh, the Democrat delirium. What I mean by that is it just seems like they're trying to come up with any something, anything. I mean, they've been talking about this, you know, collusion uh, with the Russians for eight months, and there's, there's no evidence. And they're still talking about this, like, well, if we just look into it more, we just look into it more, it's like, well, you know, with eight months, is there my understanding within eight months, I mean, they already had people prosecuted or, or whatever, or at least, uh, you know, resign and impeach or whatever during Watergate. Uh, but, I mean, it's been eight months, and they're still not as uh, Tucker Carlson. I don't know if anyone here has been watching Tucker Carlson. I've been kind of impressed with him lately. Now, it wasn't when he first came on, but, I mean, I think he's starting to get a stride. So, I mean, he's been kicking ass. We're in Bard's Logic After Dark, so I can say that now. Uh, but I tell you, I think his interviews, he's been kicking ass. He's like, look, give us one iota of evidence. Where is the evidence of this of this collusion? You've been doing this for eight months, and there's still no shred of it. Either, either you know, indict someone, 
you know, prosecute someone or whatever, shut the hell up. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, get you Naj and then Kelly on on that, uh, or as I said, the, the, the Kobe situation. Yeah, look, look, since I'm neither Repub nor Jim, I'll just say uh, we resemble a football game at this point, a big-time Division One college football game. Uh, you know, when Texas plays Oklahoma, you see all the Texas fans in the burnt orange on one side, and you see the Oklahoma fans on the other. And that's essentially what we have going on in our political game now, to where people, uh, they, they, they lock in, they decide their side is right, all other information is wrong, and they cheer and boo and hiss on command. So this is a sorry state of political analysis and political ideology right now because people are not willing to engage things. They're not willing to try to decipher information in front of them. Uh, they just take it as it is. So I, I'm not participating in the Susan Rice clown show. I'm not participating in the Trump Russian clown show. I'm looking at both parties skeptically and just watching uh, the chess moves as they're made. But uh, right now, man, we are in a bad state as far as politics are concerned and as far as media is concerned. And so-called journalists uh, right now really should be ashamed of themselves. Robert, there. Hey, Robert. Yes, I was just doing some call screening. We got Bianchi on the line, and we will get uh, from the St. Louis area. We'll be uh, getting him on soon. Go ahead. Yeah, anyway, uh, quick thought about uh, in the old times of uh, jury and the the power of the jury. Samuel Chase was a Supreme Court justice. He got impeached. He didn't get removed, though. And the reason is because he opposed jury nullification. It's, it was an amazing uh, uh, case. But anyway, um, we have a mess. Uh, there's chemical attacks in Syria, I guess. Trump's getting concerned. Um, the proxy of China being North Korea. They're shooting missiles uh, out in the ocean by Japan. Uh, the world's going to be a dangerous place. You begin to wonder if the powers that be are just so desperate for getting back control. I mean, when was the last time we had uh, almost an everyday American become the president? And the powers that be don't like it. Um, Health care, the freedom... And that's on both sides of the aisle, you're right. Yeah, well, yeah, they're on both sides of the aisle. The Freedom Caucus uh, of the House... Um, basically, the uh, health care failed last week. And it's kind of an interesting scenario because uh, Ob- uh, Trump wanted to appeal, re- repeal, and replace. Well, what does that mean? Well, first you have to repeal it. Who does do to do that? Well, it would be Congress. And Congress would hold a big carrot stick over Trump saying, hey, look, you want it repealed, then here's the replacement. You don't go with our replacement, we're not going to repeal it. So Trump can say, you know what? I'm just not going to enforce Obamacare. <laughs> so it's it's a real interesting, weird scenario going on here. Um, it'll, this will come back up, but for now we're we're stuck with um, Obubucare. Um, so dutifully comply and uh, get your uh, federal health care line. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> how many people here have really signed up? I'm just curious. How many people on, on our, of our listeners have actually signed up for 
Obamacare. I'm just curious about that one. Let's turn it over. No, no, I'm not. Uh, I've got I've got it through my I've got it through my employer, and it's it's, it's okay health care, you know, but it's it's better than Obamacare. <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe our uh, our next caller and I, had a, and I just got a message from Dr. Tolbert, and he uh, said that he had to go for the evening. So we want to uh, thank you, Dr. Tolbert, for coming in uh, uh, for the night. And unfortunately, yes, definitely, folks, uh, if you're on the line, don't let the the call drop, or you won't uh, be able to call back in. Uh, but that's uh, just uh, the unfortunate thing about the extended period. Uh, but let's go ahead and welcome uh, our caller here, Bianchi, from as I said earlier. The St. Louis area. Thank you very much, uh, Beth, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Good, good. Uh, thank you very much for asking. Appreciate it. What's on your mind? Well, you know, you talk about uh, Susan Rice. No, I don't think she is related to uh, Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, but as far as this concern like of uh, her ability, you know what? You, I'm sure you all know what they mean by when they say unmasking. If you ever got a report from, let's say, the FBI, or you could go on their website and you can read what information they have on any characters, well, some of it, some of it, the text will be blackened. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, so when they unmask, it's when the person who's, who has the ability to question what's been blackened out. That's what the unmask means. Now, if Susan Rice was afforded some information that was unmasked, I'm saying personally, yes, she did expose that information to Barack and the other Democratic cohorts. She was terrified. She was distraught when Donald Trump won. And I never will forget this photograph that was taken of Obama and the rest of what I call his posse that was standing behind him. They all had a long face as they were saying, I can't believe it. What am I going to do now? So, yes, I believe with almost certain that uh, she exposed some information. And another point, when Trump said that Obama wiretapped or eavesdropped on his conversation, especially in Trump Tower, I believe that too, because we have been conditioned to believe that the only way that that can happen is get a court order, and if the court order goes through, it must be something. Then it goes to the FBI, but that's not true. There's other ways for that to be done beyond the legal so-called route. How many of you have a monitoring system at your house that you can call in from work and see how your baby's doing. How the, is the nanny beating her, the kid? You can listen in and also see in. So if Trump has surveillance cameras that's connected to with a cap file through an internet, well, hackers have the ability to hack into True. that. Absolutely. Now another thing, as far as Obamacare, I wish all Americans good. I wish them to have health insurance or whatever it is that they are responsible for. But I don't want to pay for it. And I think when they came up with this devious scheme where you have that notorious Justice Roberts, when he should have made a decision regarding the Commerce Clause, but he came up with that infamous but and said it could be a tax. 
Well, that's you. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the one thing you don't want to give politicians more tax dollars because they will hold on to it <laughs> yeah. with their life. <laughs> and that's exactly what you see here. And look what kind of damage that they've done. If you're a young couple who's trying to work to save for a down payment of their house, trying to work to save for education for their children at some point in time in the future, then they have to put up with all the other increases from Internet to property taxes to car insurance to sales tax, increase in the cost to go to the zoo, and a whole host of other increases that's taking away their precious income and salary. Who in the heck wants to be faced with a mandate to buy insurance? You know, young people think they're invincible anyway. So they're not going to be worried about health. They're trying to get ahead and get to the point at some time in the future where they would be more settled and comfortable. So this scheme of taxing them if you don't get involved is totally ridiculous. I'm, I think it's absurd. And I'm happy to hear that Donald Trump is not enforcing that aspect of this whole grand scheme anyway. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I see you got I one of my friends. who would have been affected by that. Absolutely. And I see you got one of my friends online, which is not. He's a variable. He's a knowledgeable individual. Oh, great. Yeah, we, so, uh, we yes, definitely enjoy support- uh, that input coming on. And I just want to say this. Yes, I supported Donald Trump. I'm black, African-American. I attended his rallies here in St. Louis. I don't have any rope burners on my neck. I wasn't attempted to be lynched like everybody said it would happen to me. And I talked to a lot of people that had very concerning things about the nation and the way things was going, and it was a good experience. Now, of course, you had those who couldn't read the back of their privileged ticket that they downloaded off the Internet, and they told them what you could do and what you could not do, and they chose to disregard that, and therefore they got in trouble. But the, no, I'm, uh, I look forward to seeing what the Donald Trump can manage in the promises that he put forth. i tell you one thing, he's hitting the ground and running. Did you hear recently how... So- <laughs> <laughs> there oh, you go. Go ahead. Quick question. As long as got, everybody spoke, uh, I'll wait. Okay. I just want to ask him this. Um, did you hear recently how there's, uh, I think, like three people, I don't, I don't know exactly what state they're from, uh, where they're actually trying to, to sue Trump for saying, you know, get him out of here, you know, because they were disrupting one of his rallies, I guess, during the, the election. He was like, get him out of there. And, 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 and because he did that, and they, and they were escorted out. They were somehow mentally traumatized, or, or something of that. And now they want to uh, sue Trump. Did you did you hear anything about that? Uh, well, well, that's, that's more about that judge you? who's bringing that forward. But I mean, it won't go anywhere. What are you going to do? Sue the sitting president of the United States? You're going <laughs> to sentence him to 30 days right. in jail? Like, so this this kind of goes back to the uh, argument the gentleman was making before, where we talked about letter of the law, and then when you talk about power, that letter of the law becomes a whole nother language. So, I mean, yeah, the guy's saying he uh, incited violence. Is that enforceable? Hell no. No, I don't think think he's going to come with it. And and here's a topic I want to ask you, uh, Bianchi, because I I just want to get your take on it because you mentioned, you know, hey, I don't want to, you know, pay for that, pay for other people's health care. What's your thoughts on uh, the, the, they call it ed choice here in Ohio, 
But basically, it's, you know, vouchers where you take uh, someone who's in a failing school district, and they'll pretty much give, you know, a, a family a check or something like that nature so that they can, you know, send their kid to a charter or a private school with that, uh, with that check. Uh, what, what's your thoughts uh, on well, that? Well, Mr. Host, hold on. Can I intervene just for a quick second? So you're saying you're paying for school, and now people are going to get vouchers and come to that same school that you worked so hard to put your kid into. They're going to come in there for free. Is that how you laid that out? Because me and Pianchi have argued about this before. So I just wanted to, wanted to that, make sure that was much, real yeah, that's clear. That's pretty much what's happening. And, uh, that's pretty Indeed. much what's happening. Yeah, like, for instance, uh, I, I said I do send my daughter to uh, a private school, and they have uh, something here in Ohio called Ed Choice. And basically, if, if your child is in a failing school district, you know, with the testing and things that they do, then what they'll do is they'll give you, you know, X amount of dollars in a, a voucher. And you can take that voucher to a private school, and you give the school the voucher. And let's say let's say the tuition is $11,000 a year, okay? Uh, but they give you a voucher for 6000 You give the school 6000 and through my understanding – uh, the school accepts that voucher, and, and and the person does not have to pay the remaining five thousand dollars. Basically, that five thousand dollars just gets dropped. Uh, but my, but my contention is is you know not only do I spend you know money on sending my daughter there you know, and I even work a, a part time job during the summer uh, to be able to help do it. In that uh, you know, and then I'm also through my property taxes. You know, I'm a homeowner, and so through my property taxes, I'm paying for the public school system. Uh, so now, while my my daughter, the school that she goes to now, uh, is is actually in a a city school district that has some failing high schools in it. Okay, so her school uh, is in a district where they can accept those vouchers. Now, I don't live in that that city district. I live in a township outside of the city. Uh, but I still have to, you know, pay the you know property taxes that go towards uh, the public education system, and it's not even that public education well, system. I mean, they're not a failing school uh, where we're in the township I live, but the city I'm adjacent to, there's there's they're, they're, they're a, a, a a failing school system. But go ahead, Bianca. Well, let me give you my opinion on this, and I can only, I'm gonna talk to this from the experience of being around African American school districts, and I've been dealing with this for a long time. I have always been pro-choice, and 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 it doesn't have to be. Even if you if your school district is not, uh, quote unquote, failing or in the provisional state of being, I think that the parents have a right to put their child in the best environment that they think is best for that child. All a public school district cannot meet all the potential that exists in the world in this country nor the world today, and. They should have the access, as you described it, that the money follows the child. And I hear so many people, the first option that they gravitate to is charter school. No, school choice does not just mean charter school. It could mean like you, uh, the institution that you're presently sending your daughter to, a private school. It can even mean another public school. That is the choice of the parents, and they should have the right to do so, and the money should follow that child. Who wants to keep that child? You know, here's the thing. I hear all these excuses. Mm-hmm. Well, if this is allowed, 
the best students would be able would be taken out of the school district. Well, duh, who wants to sacrifice their child to something that's failing, something that's not what you want it to be? You know, parents make decisions early in the direction of advocation for their children. And a public school in many times will not do that. You know, me, myself, being African-American, I see a whole lot of industries, I see a whole lot of fields that's absent of black people. And one of the reasons because they're not being exposed, introduced, and being prepared for those areas. So, yes, I'm totally supportive. But, you know, in the African-American community, you have these vanguard organizations, which is heavily influenced by the NEA or the AFT, and they totally go against that. Even when blacks are surveyed or polled, they poll and they're surveyed in the high 70 percentiles that, yes, we want school choice. But these organizations, they speak out against that. And the powers that be don't listen to the people. They listen to these crazy organizations. It don't make well, any sense in 2017 that you have to be locked in to something that's failing. You have to sacrifice your children by keeping them there, keeping them there in that bastion of failure. And really, it's not the child's fault because no child wakes up in the morning wanting to be a failure. It's the lack of accountability amongst the people in that district. They let these things go on. Every state statute that I have ever read stipulates and says that the curriculum of that school district could be whatever the parents, the people of concern wants it to be, so long as it meets state minimum standards. And when you do not hold your school board, you know, that's another thing. School boards, you can't recall them in most states that I know, which I think is really ignorant. But when you let that type of behavior go on and you are just accepting the results, the status, and just you just auctioning your children off to, to dismal, I mean, dismal future, it just doesn't make any sense. And we could talk about this for two days. Well, Pianchi, that was a great advocacy for a school choice, but you didn't address his particular situation to where he's paying in two places. Other people aren't, and they're getting the same facilities and access to the same education. So you didn't really address his problem, but you advocated for school choice well, very I, well. I experienced that, too. <laughs> I, my children have never been to public schools, even though I pay for it. But uh, I had a grandson that wanted to play sports, and uh, he, got the, he he was in private school until he got, I guess, maybe the fifth, sixth grade, and he wanted to go to the public school because it offered a sports program he wanted to get involved into. But no, that uh, that school choice is the way that it's going to have to go from here on out. And because this method is not producing the results that it should result produce, uh, and it has hasn't done so for I mean for a long, long, long time. I want to well, tough well, break, host. You ain't getting no advocacy on your part, so you're just going to be paying in two places, and you got to grin and bear it. Well, you know why come I can pay him in two places? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me tell you. Let me tell you why come I can pay in two places. Hang on for a second. Let me explain to him why I can pay in two places. It's because I was not locked down in a failing school district. 
I was able to acquire knowledge and skills that permitted me to have an excellent employment, matter of fact, business ownership, where I had discretionary funds that I could do that. Mm-hmm. Right, but what do you tell the – right, and so, well, let's say for yourself and, and, and myself, like, and you call it discretionary funds where, you know, we're using, you know, you know, part of our income to send our children to, you know, a private school. But what do you, you – mean, what, what, how, do, how do you justify – you know, for yourself and and, and for, for me, frankly, and, and other people out there, maybe even Naj and others, is that, you know, I'm paying, you know, X amount, you know, of dollars per, uh, you know, per year for my daughter to go to this, this private school. I'm paying for it through money that I'm making through my wages, okay? And then not, wages not just for my uh, my current employment, but I also do something on the side, Whereas, you know, that money goes towards the school and, and curtails you the You are being of, responsible of the, of the and accountable. Yeah, you're being responsible and accountable. You recognize a problem. You're doing what's necessary to uh, make sure that your child don't get caught up in that bastion of uh, failures. But what, but what if, but, but my point is, is if you have students, well, it's not even about the students, about the, what do you tell the, the, the people like myself who are paying that? That hey, you know, because you make certain amount of um, of dollars, you have to pay for your child's tuition. But because this person doesn't make that, you know, that um, the same amount of money you do, then we're going to give them a voucher so that they can go to the same school. They may just work a, a, a full time. They might only work a part time job, and that's it. Or they might, you know, they're not working a full time and then some part time in the summer to pay for it. They're not working as many hours or make sure they have the education in order to have, you know, a higher employment where they're making more, making more money. So, well, you know, yeah, what you're saying, picture, you know, picture would, a buffet line where you step up to the register and they say 1995 and the next person, 1995 and the next person, they say, okay, yours is good. You're free. Next person. Oh, yours is good. You're free. Well, no, that's and not what it is. See, well, right. There you presently. go. I mean, it's like, hey, wait, how, how can they, how can they get to eat for free when I get, and I got to pay for my, well, let me you tell know, you, I, that's I not, you're not accurate describing I like that analogy. You're not accurately describing <laughs> yeah. the way it is. What's going on now is that they have what's called the ADA, which is the average daily attendance. And that school district takes its revenue, and their revenue is divided by the number of students. And that's mm-hmm. what each that's what the ADA is. In some districts, it may be $18,000 per student. Some districts, it may be fourteen. They also have what's called a formula, which applies for – uh, people that live in uh, areas where the housing stock is depressed and so on and so on. So it basically kind of evens out all across the board for every student in that district. Every day that you are counted at 1130, X number of dollars goes toward that building, which equates to the, say, like $14,000 a year for every student. That's the way it is. And I'm saying this. Uh, you should have the ability to take that ADA amount and go to whatever school you want to go to. In that in 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 that state, or however they fix it, you know, Ohio is one way, Missouri is another. But, way. but I'm not eligible uh, to get York that because I make too much money. I got a fix for you guys. I was just messing with Pianchi because I like to mess with Pianchi. <laughs> but honestly, you should be eligible for the next next tier of private schools, meaning you should be able to go to the top of the line private schools, which are AGA funds, and then the amount that you pay on top right now. 
So you should be able to move up to the next tier of the education system. That's that's the only way to really solve this without it becoming a system to where some people are saying, wait a minute, I'm paying and they're not. So there has to be access for you to move up a notch. Uh, to a Absolutely. Certain, if you're paying. You sh- everybody should get the ADA, and if you want to go to a school that say it's twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year, then if you take the ADA plus the difference, then your your child attends that school. And you know, I'm gonna tell you something. You know what? I know black people who spend eighty thousand dollars a year for their child to go to schools like Fair uh, Deerfield out there in Massachusetts. I know one guy mm-hmm. who's got two daughters, had two daughters in, a, in Deerfield. That's $160,000 a year. That's from K to 12, by the way. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Well, yeah, that, that is one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll wait to the next topic to, about a, to get it. I was even just oh, talking oh, about a tax credit. I like your idea better than mine, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's the more realistic version. I, I got to jump on Pianca's o- Obamacare uh, points, too. But I'll wait because I know we've been taking up all the time in the last few minutes, sucking all the air up. So we want to hear from everybody. Oh, well, too. you know, that's – well, we are in – you know, oh. in, in the state in the description of the show, we are in Bard's Logic After Dark. So we just kind of could, – could sometimes wing it. We could talk about the, you know, uh, the, the topics or, if, you know, we have anything else. That's why it's kind of uh, – People listen to the podcast, they could be surprised, like, hey, wait a minute. That was something I wasn't expecting to hear. And well, you so know, if I can get three things, thing. if I can get three things out of Trump, one being school choice, the other being getting rid of these illegals, and I don't care if you've been here 20 years, if you're in the country without proper documentation, if you're in the country without a visa, you are a criminal. I mean, that's just the way the law is written. And also, if you have a national right to carry law, because I feel that when I go into my adjacent state, which is Illinois, I shouldn't have to leave my gun hidden under a tree, under a rock, at the border. Yeah, I like wow. how you put that. No, I agree. I've got, to, yeah, I've got plenty. You know, no, I don't at this point have uh, my concealed carry. I, I'd like to. I just haven't. Be honest, gone out and done it. Uh, probably because instead of me buying a gun, I'm spending X amount of dollars on on tuition. But anyway, <laughs> that's probably the truth, to be honest. Um, but anyway, oh, yeah. hey, uh, but but I do have friends who do have concealed carry that do have that complaint. Like you know, I can't even cross the border to my neighboring state to be able to carry my gun. Hey, yeah, it's ridiculous. Hey, Robert. It's Kelly here. Yeah. I wanted to throw out some thoughts about our public school system. Of course, you look yeah, at the 1500s, everybody was pretty much home. Remember, this guy's in California. Now, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead yeah, go. well, some, someday I'll be able to say I'm, I am I am from California, meaning I escaped. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, you know, 1620 Massachusetts, it was pretty much quite a bit of homeschool. And then the churches were um, doing quite a bit of the education, and then they turned it over to, uh, oh, townships. And, you know, township schools, a little one-room school hall, schoolhouse stuff. And eventually, it, you know, county control, state control, the federal control. And that's where I have a real problem. Even if Trump wants school choice, it's like from a libertarian position, which I are one, it's like what the hell is the federal government doing with education? Because you can, it, you can put through a political agenda into some kid's mind like California, the kids have got to learn about Adam and Steve, like in like third grade. It's disgusting. And so these agendas, you know, you have 
federal dollars coming through, hey, uh, you must teach this and this in your curriculum to get to get federal grant money for your schools. Do as we say. The centralization of power is an absolute anathema to um, libertarian thinking. And so you could have, you know, and, and, and uh, Harry Brown, a famous libertarian, ran for president in the Libertarian Party. Liberty A to Z, you know, the potential here with centralized control is when one people get into power with a federal education system, oh, they could teach God's law in the schools. Well, the next people, you know, the next election, they could be out, and then we could put in, what, Satan's law into the kid's head? So, you know, the federal government shouldn't have any business in school. I'd love to see the Department of Education terminated and leave it up to the states because, you know, that would be an ultimate uh, choice where people could move from one state to another, and then they could say, yes, I'm from, I'm from California. I escaped. So it's it's just really important that you keep some of these fundamental principles because the centralization of power is in the Communist Manifesto, and they want to control the next generation for their agenda and, you know, how the youth uh, worship Bernie Sanders, who still wants free college tuition for everybody. And it's like, come on, guys, you know, free health care, free college education. I was like, what else? How are we going to pay for this, guys? It's 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 becoming infected in the children's minds because you have um, curricula, etc., and then you got the left that loves to be teachers and, and brainwash little Johnny and Susie. Oh, that's right, because the state said I have to, and they're you know give them an inch, take a mile. So I I totally believe in local control and local school boards. Um, you know, even even at times I'm having trouble with what the state does, especially California, which we're going to have these stupid um, transgender bathrooms. It's like, seriously, you, you're going to let some junior high, you're going to let the boys go use the girls' room? They're not going to be happy with that. But, you know, this weirdness keeps going on. It, it's, it, you know, Common Core, you know, corporations can make a ton of money when it's mandated that, oh, you must adopt Common Core or you're not going to get grant money. And all of a sudden, somebody that wrote the Common Core core books, Common Core, all right, Common Core books is basically going to make millions, and then what? Oh, that's right, campaign contributions to the congressman that got that through. I mean, it just this is it's sick. Our our country is sick in this thinking. It just needs to stop. I yield. Yeah, I agree with you. I got one thing I want to bring up. I seen the other day, and, and this is for, and I hope this doesn't get too uh, controversial. Uh, you know, and I want to ask this specifically of, of yourself, Naja and uh, Bianchi. Is that uh, are you familiar with uh, Rachel Dolezal? Or is that how pronounced? Yeah, I know her. Yeah, I think she's crazy. She is. Yeah, because right now she, yeah, because now she's saying that she is trans black. And I don't quite understand the uh, the moniker. I, I mean, is that some? I mean, I don't know if that's something that really exists, or that's just a term she made up, or or, or what maybe the the thoughts are in the African American Black communities of someone who says they're trans Black. I mean, just to get your opinion, if you don't if, if you don't mind me asking, don't if it don't sound too controversial. Yeah, she, I mean, what, she, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> 
Yeah, she made up the term. It's, it's laughable that she's actually, uh, you know, got a book deal and getting all this press because of it. If you go to social media, you'll see what people actually think of her and the whole idea and concept of this. But, yeah, this I, I don't know if she's a sick person, meaning she's not well mentally, or if she's just a huckster and a shyster taking advantage of people and found a way to make some money by coming up with this idea. But, yeah, this is it's horrible. But no, it's not a real. Well, thing. I tell you what, <laughs> I see. Uh, I, I've seen a comparative picture of her now, and when she was, I guess, she looks like she's probably about you know between fifteen and seventeen, and she just looks like this Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, <laughs> country girl kind of, you know. Well, Iowa, well, understand, understand like, this. Understand this, host. She went to a HBCU. And she sued them for discriminating against her because she was white while she was on campus. Oh, <laughs> and now wow. she's transracial. So that's her uh, background. I don't, you know, and, and, and if people, you know, if a guy wants to become a girl and a girl wants to become a guy, you know, and I guess in this instance, of, you know, you know, she wants to, a uh, uh, once white girl wants to become a black girl. And I mean, I really, I don't care what people want, <laughs> want to do, to be honest. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, maybe that's the part of the libertarian part of me, which I'm like, you know, fine. I mean, just like if a guy wants to be with a guy and a girl wants to be with a girl, well, that's your business. Just, you know, just well, don't that's, put that's other the people thing, though. Into those it. are biology, like those like, are biology and that's genetic. It. Yeah, those are biology and genetic arguments. This is just an argument that you just make because race is something that's decided by a society. It's not something that's decided by, you know, any other metric. So. While she's transracial, if she gets pulled over by the police, she'll get a certain treatment because she won't be transracial when she's pulled over by the police. But then when she wants to go to some area of uh, NAACP and convince those people she's black, she'll do that. So it's kind of just using uh, your, your social skills to get over them. There's no real, you know, there's no real meat and bones to it. This is just something she decided. Well, you know, another thing, uh, thing, you got to come to the realization that there's a difference between blacks and those identified as being African-American or objective black African-American. And she's fallen in the the designation where she described herself as being, not even described herself as being black anymore, but uh, coming up with this new uh, identity. But, you know, people like that I don't pay any attention to. They're there for whatever reason. And uh, they're just looking for some sort of attention. Uh, if I could go back a page, or the gentleman was talking about the uh, yeah, Department sure, of Education. Ahead. And oh my, get, go ahead and then uh, take, just take a couple minutes for that. Cause I, I just looked at the time, and yeah. boy, how time flies. And we do have only yeah, about okay. literally ten, ten minutes uh, to uh, before I have to close things out for the show. Um, and so, and I do like to give everyone what we call their final thoughts for the night. To go ahead and finish that, and then mm-hmm. what we'll do is, uh, besides myself, uh, we've got uh, four people on the line here. So make your comments on the education. I think that's what you're saying you're going to. And then after that, yeah, we'll go each person. Real quick on the education. We get their final thoughts. Go me. ahead. Yeah, I I too don't desire the federal government be involved in dictating on the direction that a child is educated. <laughs> And by being able to do that, they wave these carrots. But they do do a good, uh, they do do a fair job in providing grants and aid for college in the form of Pell Grants and a couple more, which I can't escape me right now, SEAC, uh, fun, and so on and so on. So, uh, yes, I would like to see them out 
and not being having influence in school districts. And we have two here that uh, that receive about ninety seven percent of their funding from the local community. So the federal nor the state can tell them hardly anything at all to do. Uh, so I just leave it like that. Yeah, if well, I, I can well, can uh, I get ahead, the education Nas. thing real quick? Yeah, we have sure, to come yeah, to a we point gotta, where we – okay, we, we realize institutions need to be fixed, not torn down. Uh, back in early America, that era that Kelly was talking about, the literacy rate was 60% with men, 31% with women. So you get the outcomes you invest in. So the idea isn't to say tear it down. The idea is to say – Go through it with a fine-tooth comb and get it running right because we're actually in a globalized economy now to where uh, I guess you could say intelligence is a commodity. And if you create a system or a functioning system that that creates uh, a place to where people decide to go to Germany, Japan, and other places, you'll have an intelligence drain on your country, and those countries will benefit from getting uh, the higher-functioning people. So I, I think we really do need to invest in education. But, you know, go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Audit it. No problem with that. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, I always thought it would be kind of cool to, to to live and work in Ireland. But anyway, that, but, but if I was to go to Ireland, guys, that would be an extreme intelligence drain on the United States. I'm just kidding. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I'm just joking, guys. Thank you. Okay. So what I've got here is uh, we each got about two minutes uh, for folks to uh, do their closing comments. And what we'll do here is first we'll go over uh, to you, John, with your uh, last couple minutes for your closing thoughts, and then Kelly, and then we'll go to you, Naj, and then uh, we've got a newcomer, uh, Bianchi, and hopefully you'll uh, you'll join us in other shows. Uh, it'll be great to have you on and, and get your input. So that's all we'll do with our closing comments for uh, tonight's topics. Let's go ahead and start with you, John. It's got about uh, two minutes before I have to play things out. Yeah, well, definitely um, H.J. Resolution 34 is a serious issue that I think we need to look more into about our own personal information and data being, you know, basically free-for-all for all all these companies. And sad to tell you, I think from what I heard on one of these C-SPAN shows, Robert, the 287G program is a special program for all of these immigrants coming into the country to help pay for all their bills. So if you're working your rear off now to help take care of your child and put them through school, well, 287G, if I wrote that down correctly, is actually helping all the foreigners come in and displace. And I'm always trying to look out for my fellow Americans. That's why whenever I talk about mutual assent, I'm thinking all of the people that are on unemployment and all the people that are on welfare or some other poverty kind of program, they ought to have first right of refusal of, of when immigrants come in because they should have the first right of refusal for the jobs. The company shouldn't be able to cherry pick the world to displace our fellow Americans here, and they they are deserving of governing themselves as well as the rest of us. Great show. Thanks for the new guys coming in, and We'll see you next week, BargeLogicPoliticalTalk.com. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Let's go ahead. And, boy, that was perfect, too. You got it right in there, right on time with the with the two minutes. Go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> well, um, remember Katrina. Louisiana had a problem with the schools because, well, a lot of them got wiped out. And all of a sudden, and there's been studies on this, they're going to charter schools and schools and churches and wherever they can get the buildings for the kids. All of a sudden, their test scores are skyrocketing. 
it tells you how much, um, you know, we've gotten used to um, the failure. Were yeah, so uh, failure, yeah. So that that's interesting. Um, I was, uh, I was at one time. I was a man um, trapped inside of a woman's body, and uh, and then my mother gave birth to me. Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good. good. <laughs> that's uh, Chuck Norris, but uh, but yeah, it's you know, there's so many issues. Um, federal government, I've said this before, doesn't belong in the bedroom, the womb, or the vein, and I would add to that the classroom. Um, back to the bedroom, woman, the vein. As soon as you open the door for social issues, federal government to dictate social issues. That is when you've given the federal government a blank check to grow to infinity. And so that's you know, a lot of libertarians really like that thought. But I said it many times that it's real simple: local control, local control. Foster came the Magna Carta. They tried it, twelve fifteen. It seemed to work really well. Anyway, um, I yield. And Kelly, and, and I'll let the folks here know, Kelly's the only person who's ever wished me a happy man at Carter Day uh, in my life. So the first time I did that, I was quite surprised. He's like, happy Magna Carter Day, Robert. I was like, thank you. Thank you, Kelly. It's, I was unaware, but oh, I really appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. It's a happy well, Magna, Magna Carter Day. Yeah, real quick, then, if you open that up. Um, the law was the first time in Western thinking. It was the first time the law was above the king. Since then, over 100 nations have fired their king and gotten a parliament. So it's a pretty significant day, June 15th. There you go, and I'll expect you to wish it to me the, in the next couple of months. Let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Nas. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the quick explanation for Kelly on New Orleans. Uh, if you purge uh, the lowest-performing students from a city, uh, by natural disaster, then yes, the test scores will improve. It won't be because they're in a charter building or a public building. It'll be because the students who are bringing the scores down are now, are now gone. Uh, you could also look at Texas where in Atlanta where most of them relocated and actually see the scores uh, start to dip as that population got there. Uh, second point real quick, hopefully I'm under two minutes. Uh, when he talked about health care and the two kids who want to have a baby and buy a home, well, guess what happens when you have a healthcare system based on ensuring the, you know, most risk risky people, the most expensive people. Everything costs more. So to have a baby in America runs from three thousand dollars to fifteen thousand dollars. Single payer France, they pay two hundred dollars. And definitely got that in uh, uh, under two minutes. Well, I'll make a, a comment in that. And I seen something on a post on Facebook one time, and uh, and I found this quite interesting, is that it says it actually why it is just a question, and we won't debate that now, because uh, unfortunately we don't have the time. It says why does it cost uh, more to adopt a child than it does to abort one, and so uh, that's a quote that I'm like, yeah, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. It's a lot more. Uh, money out there to uh, to adopt a child or have a surrogate or or something of that nature or you know IVF things like that uh, than is to uh, to abort one. It's a lot lot, lot right. more expensive, and you know I know it was legal fees and things of that nature. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it over to you, uh, Bianchi. Uh, was to so say you got the, actually uh, since well, uh, Nash was shorter, you, you gave gave you a little bit more time, but. Uh, go ahead. 
Well, I can pick out where he left off. You know, I hear people talk about how good health care and so on in these other countries. Well, they should move there and deal with them high taxes. I'd rather keep the money in my pocket and decide where I want to spend it and how I want to spend it. And we had a pretty good system called comprehensive health systems where people were charged by a sliding scale. Been that way for a long time until we got this this demonic thing we call Obamacare. And the gentleman that talked about Americans stand Americans should not have to stand behind in line of any illegals or refugees. They should not. And the President Trump should have just as much leeway as the Mexican president who can remove foreigners at his will without any court opinion. And also, Mexican Constitution put Mexicans first ahead of foreigners in every category, and no foreigner is allowed to participate in elections. You see that fifth column out in California? they trying to make United States something different than other than what it should be, and it shouldn't be allowed. And one other thing, whites that's not voting, you need to get off your lazy butts and get out to the poll and vote for the likelihood of the president that we have if you care dear of this country. Blacks can't do it. Blacks are locked in with them Democrats. It's going to take some apathetic whites who have stopped voting. We need to turn out $100 million come midterm. Well, tell you what, that sounds a lot alike in line with uh, Christina Timmons. Uh, she says uh, she says a lot of things in line uh, with what you just said, uh, Bianca. And just like uh, Dodge and yourself, you're welcome uh, to come back and show. I really appreciate uh, and enjoy your your input, uh, you know, certainly. And then you know, the, I have to say, the, the more the merry, the more we have folks to talk with and around uh, table discussion. Uh, the better. Now, and, and two two points on that, and then I'll have to unfortunately close things out for the night, is that, you know, two things that drive me nuts. One is the whole anger baby thing, where, you know, they come in, they come in pregnant, they have their baby, and now that person's an automatic citizen, and now now we don't want to separate families, so we're not going to kick out, uh, you know, the, the parents on that. And second, one thing that drives me, you know, drives me nuts, and maybe we'll talk about this when it comes to education, is where you're you're hearing where there's some states out there who will give in-state tuition. We're talking about to the, your citizens, right? They they give in-state tuitions to these illegal immigrants, and they're they're not even from the state. Well, they, you know, I mean, not the state. They're not even from the country. So obviously, they're not from the state. Why should they get? in-state tuition when they're not even a citizen of the United States, when they don't even – they get benefits that our own citizens do not get. Uh, they can go break, you know, break the laws multiple times and, you know, and still get you know, sent back to their other country just so they can come back. I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, these illegals that committed the same crime five times? Now, to my understanding, there's some states that have a three strikes and you're out. You commit the same crime three times, you're in prison pretty much for the rest of your life. Why doesn't that not happen uh, with people who cross the border and, and illegally, you know, three times, four or five times, and sometimes they even come over and kill people. Uh, but that that's something that's definitely backwards and, and needs to change and work on. But I do see it as, unfortunately, time to close out the show. And, of course, again, I want to thank everyone for coming on and hope uh, you could join us again next week uh, for whatever topics or guests uh, that we have on. And if there's a certain topic or guest uh, that you would like to have onto the show, someone you'd like me to reach out to try to get them on, uh, just send me a message via the contact page on the website at www.bardslogic.com. 
politicaltalk.com. Uh, she could also see on our guest page uh, the list of folks uh, that we've had uh, on the show since uh, 2012 when we, we began the show. And uh, so if you have anyone you'd like to get on or a topic you'd like to discuss, uh, go ahead and send me an email through our contact page uh, there as well. Also, you can uh, subscribe to our Bards Logic uh, newsroom by going to the website on the Bards Logic newsroom page where you can get articles such as uh, the links uh, that we have on tonight, such as top Obama advisors, certain names of Trump associates and Intel, and also uh, other articles you can find there on our newsroom. So I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, folks. We will see you next time, and good night. Good night. And I can't get the audio to go <laughs> for our closing song tonight. I don't know. That's a technical glitch I don't like to hear. Hmm, that's interesting. Why is that doing that? Oh, and I say love that song, but for some reason we are not getting the audio for that. There we go.